Hello and welcome to the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Manny Manuel. And I am one of your guest hosts, Wesley Meineker. Hello, Wesley. Welcome back, my Hello, friend. Hello, Manny. I'm so glad to be back. It's been it's been about a year or so. Has it really been yeah, that long? It's been that long, so oh. I might be a bit rusty, but you know, I'm feeling loose, I'm feeling ready. Good, and good. We've got a good movie to talk about we ahead of us. We do have so a good movie to talk I'm about. I'm excited about that and excited to be back. Thanks I, for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Now, some of you might be confused as to, hey, I thought you said this was the Samuel Emanuel movie podcast. Sam has taken a little bit of a hiatus. The mm-hmm. man is very busy pursuing his musical endeavors. Yep. So he needed a little bit of a break. And thankfully, I sent out the bat signal and Wes answered. I came to the rescue. Yes, he I did. I am here to take over. You need to edit like the photo, like the label for the podcast. Make it the Samuel and Manuel Meineker podcast <laughs> with like a little arrow. Or no, no, no. Wait, I got one. The Samuel and Manuel Meineker, not Miniker podcast. <laughs> Done. I'll see what better. I can do. I don't have very good Photoshop it, skills. Yeah, if you know how to edit that far. <laughs> I not, don't. We're not sure. I'll try. But, I can just draw on it. True. Yeah, take a photo <laughs> of it and submit that to yeah. Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, I'm super happy to have you back on. Mm-hmm. I love it when you come and join us. Is this your third? Third. Yeah, third. I did Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. And seven. Which is... One of my favorite movies of all yep. time, Seven, which has gone on to become, it's not quite in the top 50, you know, my masterpiece of my top 50 mov- yeah. movies of all time, but it's like is on it, the honorable. Is it knocking on the door? Yeah, it's in the honorable mentions. Yeah. I have about like 30 or 40 that are in my honorable mentions, and that obviously made it on there. Which and is- now I'm continuing the trend, watching another movie that I haven't seen. And I decided to take on, uh, ooh, well, let's just <laughs> say a hefty a hefty watch, watch through to... To put it lightly, if, yeah. All right, but before we get there, we're gonna talk about some uh, some movie, some other movies we've been watching. Wes, mm-hmm. as our guest, why don't you lead us off? What are some movies you've been watching okay. recently? Okay, perfect. I've got five Beauty. that I've been watching. Um, I've got three movies and I've got two TV shows. Okay, so I'll start with two movies, then talk about the two TV shows, and then a movie that we may or may not share, but uh, we shall see. Oh. Uh, but the first one Kay. I've got is called Cold War. Oh, came out in 2018. I heard it's great. Directed by Powell Palakowski. Hope I said that correctly. I'm sure he's written by the same guy, uh, starring Joanna Kulig and Tomas Cot or Cot. I also don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Sorry. Sorry. Shout out to those guys. Uh, the plot in the 1950s: a music director falls in love with a singer and tries to persuade her to flee communist Poland for France. It was nominated for three Oscars, Best Director, Best International Feature, and Best Cinematography, but lost all three as it was up against Roma that year. So oh, fair enough. That's rough. You know. I haven't seen Roma, oh, but I've seen like the opening shot to Roma, which I think is one of the most iconic shots in cinema history, in my opinion, or will go on to be as oh, if, yeah. if time will tell. But like that opening... Because it isn't it like a like twelve minute shot, eleven minute shot of like the opening, and it's like the landscape, and then it goes into the into the house. I don't know. It's been a long time. It has well, it's been but, five years. Yeah, and cool. um, it also won best director at the twenty eighteen Cannes Film Festival. Nice. It's the most successful piece of Polish cinema since the pianist won the Palme d'Or, which is the highest award given at Cannes uh, giving, in two thousand two. They're counting a pianist as a Polish film. Interesting. That's what it said online. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. The movie is spectacularly made. 
uh, all the awards that I was nominated for, like, was so well-deserved. Like, obviously, you know, Best International is a given, but Best yep. Cinematography, like, the cinematography in this movie is drop-dead gorgeous. It kind of has, um, I don't know the best way to explain this. I don't mm-hmm. really understand aspect ratios, but it's, like... Um, Four by three? I think so. The, where is the, it's kind of like the lighthouse where the screen that's is four in by three. and there's the black. Yep, that's four yeah, by three. So it's shot in four by three and the camera is very static all yep. the time. Like it almost like they're, I think, tripod shots or dolly shots mm-hmm. that almost like the camera movement made me feel like it was a, like a Wes Anderson movie, even though I know you don't particularly like that. And I'm not saying like the cinematography is as obscure yep. or anything, but it just the way the camera moves yep. was very similar. Like that's yep kind of how i felt and um it's shot in black and white and it takes place over like two or three decades it does the 40s 50s and 60s and so you get to see like the characters grow 20 years yeah throughout the ravished lands of eastern europe during the cold war yeah. under the soviet bloc we got to see yugoslavia poland russia france and a couple more countries that i think i'm can't name off the top of my head but mm-hmm. It just feels so authentic. Yeah. Like, it feels like you're actually, like, there and during that time period, which is why I think it's so well-deserving of the Best Director yep. nomination. Because ju- he just makes it come to life. Powell. 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 Okay, I won't try again. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, yeah, it's so, like, it's like documentary-like is the best way to put it. And I love Sweet. movies like that, so... And it's a it's a thrilling love story. There's a really really good villain in it, um, and the way that they they light him in certain scenes to make him look very villainous because there's a lot of sort of, you know, old school lighting techniques used throughout the throughout the movie. Like it it feels like it's a movie that should have come out for the time that it was made in. Like it should have come out in the 50s or should have come out in the 60s, but it came out in 2018. Um, and it's only an hour and a half, so it's a really oh, short watch. Um, and what, I believe I watched it on Amazon Prime is where I got that one. But, uh, yeah, it's a great love story, and it is extremely technically proficient. Just added it to my watch list. Awesome. Uh, next up, I've got a Oh, what bit... did you give it? Oh, I gave it a 4 out of 5. All right. Yeah, perfectly good watch. Um this next one is a bit of an ex- obscure watch. Okay. Um, I watched it a few nights ago uh, with my mom because yep. she was like, oh, have you ever seen this documentary? And I was like, nope. She's like, I have it recorded. Let's do it now. Nice. Um, and it's a 9-11 documentary. Uh, it came out in 2021 or 2022. It's called Come From Away. Come From Away? Yeah. Directed by Christopher Ashley. Uh, Manny, do you know much about the story of the Canadians during 9-11, especially like out east in like PEI and Nova Scotia and Newfoundland, since those are all the spots that are closest to the Atlantic um, when 9-11 happened and all of them, all of the flights had to come down and land. Most of the international flights, like the big jumbo jets had to land in like Newfoundland and PEI and all that. And so this movie is the story of a small town called Gander during the tragedy of 9-11 as they take in international travelers from around the world that are forced to touch down on the ground. This movie is so heart-throbbing, and as weird as it is to say, 
since it's you know obviously about one of the worst tragedies in u.s history it's very uplifting i love it um because you just get to see real humanity were you like come one? alive how old were you in i wasn't born actually i was born nine months after 9 11 <laughs> i guess my parents were stressed out who knows <laughs> Holy cow, yeah. I just realized that. I, I started doing the math in my head. A 9-11 baby. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's my biggest flex. Oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, keep um, going. Anyways, um, so Gander, this really small town of 11,000 people, is the easternmost point of newfoundland that has an airport that connects to europe yeah so it's the closest closest point to europe in canada that you can pretty much go or you can fly through at one point i think in the 90s or sorry in the 30s or 40s it was the largest airstrip in the world Uh uh-huh obviously it's been beaten in present day but yeah so it's huge like it has massive runways but like the airport building is tiny the town is tiny there's barely any people and then 9-11 happens and all of these planes need to land mm-hmm. and the closest airport to go to is the small little town gander yep. and they show you shots and like photographs of, of all like the planes all the planes like 30 jumbo jets in the air at the same time having to land and it is just the most surreal thing and they're all on the runway and they're looking out and you see like the i think it's like the fire captain and the mayor and the uh police chief and they're all in the movie yeah you see them start to count the planes and they're like okay well if that one is 200 people this one 300 people and they start to add it up and they realize that their town size is literally about to double (laughs) <laughs> they take in between seven to 10,000 international travelers for five days. And so they unload them on buses. They get them in the town and they start loading them up in schools, in churches. They pretty much the whole city just flocks yep. and gives them all the food they can need. Toothbrushes like the local dentist apparently oh, donated so awesome. over like 5,000 toothbrushes or something like that. And it's just you just see so much like it. It gives you hope that there's still good left in the world, yep. you know, if you know what I mean. Like, I do. There's a quote in the movie, actually. It says, um, when the world uh, – what was it? Let me see if I can find it in my notes here. While the world was showing us the worst of humanity, you, you simultaneously, simultaneously showed us the best. Nice. And I thought, like, that just perfectly summed it up, oh, which is why awesome. it was so uplifting. Like, yep. it take, like, such a – a sad tragedy but then just see all these people come together and want to do some good and i think it's where the stereotype of comes from of canadians you know being so nice oh we've had the stereotype for long, we? long oh long well time. that definitely bolstered oh, it. especially 100%. eastern canadians yeah trust like me we, we've canadians. had this like before yeah. i was born yeah it's really yeah yeah that's mm-hmm. just been stereotype for canada for a long oh, okay. time yeah but yeah, yeah. It, it's that kind of stuff that just basically feeds into the stereotype yeah which is awesome oh that's wicked yeah it was, it was yeah it was a great documentary i think it was also only an hour and a half yeah so another yep. just checking another little short watch that i found on cable kind of mm-hmm. just threw it on and i had a great yeah, time so i think it's on crave is it oh, yeah. okay well there you go yeah oh, wait what was i looking if anyone yeah. has yeah, some time crave. to kill or maybe in a couple months if they want to you know give some honor to the day um 
Yeah, it's did a great rate, movie. Did you rate it? No, I didn't. Okay. Gave it a four out of five, though. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see. I don't. I would have you listed on here that as having seen it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And next up. Yep. We've got our first TV show. Okay. A TV show that I hope you have some sort of guess of what it could be because I've been dying to talk to you about this. Oh. Ozark. Oh. I'm still in the thick of Ozark. Well, uh, I ha- still. Oh my god. Uh, how far in are you? Season three. Episode two of season three. Oh, okay. So I'm not that far. Okay, good. Because I still even haven't had the chance to finish. Season four? Season four. Really? Like, I I watched the first half of season four that they released. Oh, part one? Yeah, part mm-hmm. one. I haven't touched part two yet. I've been so busy. You and watched I, Stranger Things, though. I did. But I haven't watched. They released the last two episodes. Haven't had time to watch them. Shoot. I know. Yeah. It's ridiculous. You got to get around to it because okay. that show is amazing. Which one are we talking about? Ozark? Ozark. Ozark's unfucking believable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, there's there's so just so much I could say about you're, it. You're in episode two of season three. Okay. So you yeah. finished season one and season yeah. two. So they've Well, I I don't want to spoil it, so yep. I won't. But Yeah, we can keep our thoughts general. Uh Ozark is one of my Would it be in my top ten? Might be in my top ten. Oh, it's in my shows. top ten. Breaking It's in my top ten for sure. I've got well, you know my favorite show. We share our favorite show. My favorite show is How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, that's my number one. Would be Game of Thrones if that last season eight wasn't so <laughs> shit. Number uh, two would be Breaking Bad for me. Okay, my favorite my favorite episode of TV ever is season six, episode ten of Game of Thrones. But I've come to the decision that my favorite season of television show or of TV ever, hands down, is season one of Ozark. Like hands down, it's so good. It that is so good. The way that it builds the tension and it, it's that's and that was the tough part about season two is because it ended off on such a high and yeah. then has to build that tension back up throughout the season. So it was a bit like I find it a bit tougher to get back, jump back into right mm-hmm. away for the second season, which is maybe why I didn't like it so much. But like I was addicted to Ozark. I love, I one. love Ozark. It man. is amazing, and. Julia Garner is a standout for for me for sure. Uh, a lot of people say that she's the MVP, but it's Marty and Wendy, Jason Bateman and uh, Laura Linney. Correct? Yeah, yeah, their characters oh. for me, and the way they're written and their arcs together is just, uh, it's nail biting. Right now, like at this point in the show, you're starting to see them sort of slowly drift apart and have those two different philosophies of how they want to run things and go about dealing with business with the cartel and like them just not being on their the same page about their plans at all and i can see that they're setting that up early on in the season and i'm excited for it to where it goes later on and how it's gonna i I just feel like it's gonna hit a boiling point between those two like something's gonna explode episode nine Episode nine, season three. Yeah. Might be Laura Linney's one of Laura Linney's greatest acting performances. Really? Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, the show is absolutely brilliant. I'm so yeah. gl- I'm so glad you're enjoying. It doesn't surprise me. The show is absolutely it's fantastic, and, and and the kind of show that I knew that you would like. Yeah, it's so excellently written. Like oh, the writing God. of it is just. Did Jason? I know Jason Bateman directed a lot of the episodes, yeah. but did he write? Has Both. he written this too? Well, the creators either are Bill Dubuque and Mark Williams. Okay. So, might go episode by episode. Well, either way, he is pulling his weight for this TV show. Yeah. One hundred percent. I know he's one of the producers. Okay, so it doesn't look like it because I don't even see any writing credits for Jason Bateman at all. Mm-hmm. But producer, Ozark, executive producer on all the episodes. No write, he has no writing credits, so. Oh, okay. Well, I'm mistaken. Yeah. No, it's but he, 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 no, he directed them. Yeah. Just didn't. He, he directed, I think, the first episode and, the like, the first two episodes and the last two episodes of season one and maybe a couple in between. Yeah. He has, like, like he has, yeah, he's not written anything ever. <sighs> yeah. Well, his talent can be felt, to put it lightly. Yes. <laughs> I, oh, I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I'm yeah. so glad you're liking that. Yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. All right. Anyways, um, that was just that a little a little tidbit about that show. Maybe when I finish it, and if I'm ever back on again, we can discuss it definitely at a at a larger length. Uh, but the next show, yeah, I really wish Sam was here Uh-oh. that we could talk about it because uh, I know that Bojo. tell me it Bojo is not Bojo. <laughs> unfortunately, that would have been amazing. He probably would have killed me if I'd had to talk about that on air and he wasn't here. This might be a close second, though. I know he loves this show, and I've heard about him talk it, mm. talk about it a lot. Um, I've been binging it with my family because mm-hmm. um, it's all on Netflix, and that is the show The Office. Oh, starring Steve Carell, uh, Ed Helms, John Krasinski, and uh, Rain Wilson. Um, and it is simply about a bunch of workers who work at an office mm-hmm. where half of them are complete fucking weirdos yep. and the other half are completely normal. My brother has made up his weird normal spectrum for all the characters on the show <laughs> and half of them fall into the weird category like Michael Scott and Dwight and yep. like are you familiar with the characters? Yeah, Lucy? I know the I know yeah. I like I know the premise and I know most of the like most of the main characters. Yeah. I just never watched it. Just never watched it. Yeah. Like have you seen any episodes? Uh Maybe two. Like in the background? Like maybe two? Pers- yeah. Two episodes? And you don't remember li- nah. really what your thoughts I know are. Well, I, you got to give it a I try. Know, I know I've point. seen the pilot. Like I've yeah. seen episode one. <sighs> Steve Carell is so fucking hilarious in this show. He is born for this role. He basically, the whole point of his character is that he's just an 11-year-old in a 40-year-old's body. Like he does like the opposite of everything you're supposed to do <laughs> in a work setting, in a social setting. In any setting at all, he's just the biggest dumbass. But if you read into it like that, then I think that's where you can find a a lot of enjoyment. Because there's a lot of sort of like subtext or like you kind of have to understand what the characters are are all about in order to enjoy the show. Because they've got them written to a T. Like this show knows exactly who their characters are and plays the comedy off so well. And... It's just a fucking joy to watch. I'm only on season six, and there's nine seasons, so I've still got a little bit of a ways to go. But it's I'm not 
I'm not mistaken, it's Kubo and Spinach Show. Ever? Ever. Wow. I think I'm pretty sure it's his number one. It's that or Seinfeld. It's one of those two. Okay. I haven't seen Seinfeld. And neither have I. No. I've seen Are you a big sitcom guy or like TV no. show comedy? No. Um I'm not actually. Um during the nineties when sitcoms were kind of like at their height. Yeah. That's when I fully discovered movies. And I mm. poo-pooed TV away. I see. Like, I barely watched any TV in the 90s. I watched nothing Just but films. movies yeah. constantly. Not that it's much different now. Mm-hmm. Around the... <laughs> funny. <laughs> around the turn of the century, and kind of actually, in all honesty, it's kind of when I started dating this girl, Jen. Okay. Is when I kind of started... I kind of started watching more TV because when you're in a relationship, you have to compromise. So she would watch a lot of movies with me, so I would watch Watch her shows with her. Mm -hmm. And she wouldn't push them on me because she knew that if I had a choice, I would rather watch a movie. So I was watching the shows that she enjoyed. So I've seen up until, I don't know, I watched probably the first 10 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. Can't stand that show. I have a lot of thoughts on that show, yeah, which, I I, which I won't get into. I, for a lot which, of reasons, but just a hospital drama doesn't do it for me. <sighs> ER was really good. That was in the 90s. I did watch mm-hmm. a few episodes of those. That's where George Clooney became famous. Oh. Yeah. Like that was his break. break that was role? his breakout. Yep. Uh, Dr. Doug Ross. Yeah. Okay. A young um, George Clooney. Yeah. I love George Clooney. Um yeah, I I don't want to get into my thoughts on Grey's Anatomy, but we'll save uh, it. I started watching that, and then she introduced me to CSI. Okay. And there was another show she liked, and then so every once in a while we'd watch a little bit of TV, mm-hmm. and so I oh fuck, <laughs> she's the one that got me to watch Friends. That's where I watch Friends. Uh, I so was gonna I, ask. Yeah, I didn't watch Friends until probably five years after it finished. Okay, which it finished late nineties, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe early two thousands. I want to say it started like around ninety two and went for eight to ten seasons off the top of my head. Okay. I am sitting in front of a computer, can easily look that up, but I'm gonna go off the top of my head. <laughs> so yeah, so I watched I watched Friends with her, Friends CSI and and um, Grays, mm-hmm. and then as I started dating other girls as well, I would. Again, that would kind of be the trade-off. I'm like, you watch these movies with me, and then I'll watch your shows with you. And I won't right. be an I won't be an asshole about it. I'm not gonna be like, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> I'll 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 sit there like a good boyfriend. That's one quick way to end a relationship. No, and I it's I've always been that way. Like, if they ask me, I'm happy to give my honest opinion. I probably rip it apart. But while mm-hmm. I'm watching it, I will never poo-poo it, or I'll never be like, no. this is bullshit. Because I don't want them to do that when we're watching a movie. Yeah, so, exactly. A movie that you love. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind. Afterwards, sense. I'm like, what do you think? She's like, that was horseshit. I'm like, you just broke my heart. But that's fine. But don't yeah. – I, I, I always just find it – I find it incredibly rude and disrespectful to shit on a movie while you're watching it with somebody. Like, mm. especially if they're like – if you know that they like this movie – I'm never going to shit on it while I'm watching it with you. Not even when you watch Hillbilly Elegy with T-Bone? Uh, he won't. Oh, fuck, fuck that. <laughs> it's going to happen. It won't it's going to happen one day. No. It's going to happen. No. It won't it's right there on Netflix. It won't happen. 
But like while we're watching it, people might be the exception. I might fucking shit all over any movie he says. But anybody else that I love, I fucking hate that guy. Anybody else I love, like if you were to come over and you're like, Manny, let's watch this movie. Yeah. I fucking love this movie. And we watch it and I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, I don't like this. I'm not going to say that while we're watching it. I'm just, I'll sit there and watch it because I don't ever want to wreck somebody's viewing right. pleasure. You'll save it for afterwards. I will afterwards <laughs> if, if, if you ask me. Oh, if of at course. the end, if any movie you're like, what'd you think? I'd be like, not for me. <laughs> yeah, and I might, I'll, I'll say why. I won't be, I won't be too much. Actually, this is a, this is basically how it goes. If it's a comedy, I'll probably shit all over it. Like if I don't like it, I'll Most be like, likely. I'll it has be, to be a very special comedy to get the Manny stamp of approval. Well, not even stamp of approval, but like if it's a comedy, I, I don't feel bad about shitting all over it. But if you showed me like a drama. I probably wouldn't be an asshole about it. I'd be like, this didn't work for me. I'd, I'd yeah. be a lot more cordial. Where if you showed me a comedy I didn't like, I'd be like, that was a fucking piece of shit. This is my problem. This is my problem. This is my problem. But like an actual drama or something like that, I'd, I'd be a lot be more. more I'd, I'll just I'd, be more critical. Yes. Yeah. A lot nicer. Respect it for what it is. Yes. So yeah, I, I've, I never watched a lot of sitcoms. Okay. But so, thankfully, I did. Yeah. Because it was what just happened to be channel surfing that's how i found how i met your okay mother. i was gonna ask i was wondering if friends was your lead to how i met no. your mother because you can obviously see the correlation one 100 between those two shows Wait, no it but. wasn't it just happens um i think i know i can't remember the number of the episode but i think it's like the fifth episode but it's the pineapple incident that's the first episode of oh, how i met your mother it's either fourth or fifth yeah it's, it's, yeah it's, in it's early one. it just happened to be on Really? On TV. And that made you fall in love with it? And that? I was like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, what's this? I'm like, well, let's, let's just check it out. And when I was watching, I'm like, this is unbelievable. I just kept watching, I'm like, this is fucking unreal. Yeah. I'm like, what fucking show is this? And I think I was dating, might have been Tasha at the time. Can't remember. Whoever I was desperate to was like, I don't know, I've never heard of this. I'm like, well, this is the fucking greatest thing I've ever seen. Uh -huh. And then I can't remember. I think I somehow caught, because I think you're, I think it's about episode four or five. And the previous episodes, I can't remember how I got a hold of. And then from that right, day, this was pre Netflix. Was pre Netflix. Oh yeah, it was way pre Netflix. This well, did, was this in two thousand five? Like when it first came. Yeah, out? this is when yeah. it this is when it premiered. I just happened to stumble upon it, and yeah. since that day, you watched. I've watched week? every episode when it came out. Wow. Like I and so I had like a PVR, so I would record them if I missed it. Like I think they were on Monday nights, if I'm not mistaken. And <clears throat> it was Monday or Wednesdays. Yeah. And I'd record them. And if I couldn't watch them the night they aired, it was a day or two later mm -hmm. without fucking fail. That's awesome. Yeah. You want to know something about that show? Love to. For me, for like my opinion on that show. Yep. I'm not the biggest fan of season one. I'd say it's my least favorite season. Oh, last season is easily my last favorite. Really? Last favorite. Oh, you yeah. have some problems with the ending? Oh, yeah. See, that's the difference is yeah. because I came up with this. Or, or <laughs> Sorry. I started watching this when the last season had just came on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> so I binged the fuck out of it and continued to probably upwards of like 50 times, 51 times. Because I've straight up like from grade six to grade 10, this was on every night before bed, like religiously yes. every night. I fall bed. asleep fall to How I Met Your Same. Mother every night. Yeah. I mean, I don't much anymore. Now it's I've broken it down to a few other shows. What do you got? The box oh, yeah. set. There's the box set right yep. there. I've. Right now, my like falling asleep shows is How I Met Your Mother, Family Guy, Modern Family, and The Office. Nice. So I've broken it down to four. But in terms of ones that I've watched repetitively and watched the most, it is oh, it, hands down 
How I Met Your Mother. I haven't watched anything as much mm. as I how I've watched How I Met Your Mother. Oh, by far, yeah. by far. We should do a How I Met Your Mother podcast. Oh, episode by episode. <laughs> <laughs> it would start with me shitting on it and then end with you shitting on it. That's <laughs> it's a shit sandwich. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the in between is great. Don't worry. That'd be but fun. That'd be fun. It would be. I'd be up for that. That's an awesome, let's awesome talk, show. Let's talk about that later. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So yeah, Anyways, that's the big, huge yeah, tangent on, on, on sitcoms. And sitcoms and television. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, The Office, great show. Yeah. Going to keep plunging through it. If, that's you, if, you put in the, if you put in the movie chat that you're watching The Office, yeah. Kyle and T-Bone will go ape shit happy. Yeah. And ape Sam, right? Happy. And Sam. Yeah, Sam likes it. I bl- yeah, He's, that's what I, I thought. I, don't, I know he hates the last two seasons. Yeah. Once He's, like, he Michael likes leaves. it, but he pales in comparison to the reverence that those two other losers have for it. I see. I see. Yeah. Great show. Great show. That's it's pretty much the reason why I haven't been able to watch as many TV sh- or as many movies that I, as I would have liked to this summer. It's cuz I've most nights when I come home from work, I'm just binging that for a few hours. Fair. Um but we're getting through it. Like it. Yeah. Um and last up. Yeah. So those are my two TV shows, two movies. Back we're back to a movie now. Nice. And this is the brand new Marvel movie, <laughs> Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, I just saw this yesterday. Nice. Yesterday was my birthday. When happy we were supposed birthday. to record. Fuck, I forgot Honestly, to wish you a happy birthday. <laughs> that's okay. I was going to use that if we recorded yesterday as the excuse that you can't be mad at me for any of my bad opinions. <laughs> you know? So... Just so you know, Revenge of the Sith is still the best Star Wars. R.I.P.D. Br- is still the best anymore. Ryan Reynolds <laughs> movie. Jojo Rabbit is still a three. Uh, what else is there? <laughs> what else do we got? There's got to be more. Oh, those are pretty oh. three hot takes. Those are three hot takes. <laughs> but it didn't work out. So now you have to. Now you got to be mad at me. Yeah, for saying you, all you're, those. You're, it's not your day anymore, brother. No. All right. Thor, Love, and Thunder. Thor, Love, and Thunder. Um, well, yeah, like I said, I just watched this yesterday, so I don't have any notes on it. Um, I know it's directed by Taika Waititi. Yep. I assume written yep. by the same man, starring Chris Hemsworth, um, Taika Waititi, mm-hmm. Christian Bale, yep. Tessa Thompson, yep. Natalie Portman. Yep. Is there any other? Well, you can oh. say Taika Waititi as Korg. Uh, I did say that. Yeah. Um, Russell Crowe. Yeah. I guess it's not a spoiler. It was in the trailer. He's in the trailer. He is Zeus, which is awesome. Uh, this movie was a lot of fun. Yeah. Like a ton of fun. Yeah. Uh, it, I wouldn't quite put it above Ragnarok. No. Not for me. It nope. doesn't really touch that. Nope. But um, it's still like a load of fun. Uh, I wanted it to be <laughs> maybe less on the funny side, I guess. I. Fair. I don't know. Like, I know that Taika has his hands completely on this character in this world now, but I, and you can feel his presence throughout, but I, I guess I just wanted a bit more of a, a bit more drama brought back to it or like a bit more of a serious tone. That's fair. That's just, that's just me. But like, either way, like it was still hilarious. I love how they toe the line, Mm -hmm. like with a lot of jokes that are almost inappropriate, like right on the, like they play it so perfectly and there's just... Like I said, so much Taika Waititi-ness yes. throughout the whole thing. And that's probably the best part about it. Just like for Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, 
But sadly, as time goes on, I can see myself in the distant future. And I know this is going to break your heart as it breaks my heart. I can see myself in the future starting to get a bit of Marvel fatigue. Oh, I have Um, no, I've, I'm already seeing it on a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, it's 29 I, movies. I've completely feel, felt it with Star Wars now. After Obi-Wan cemented that for me. That was one of the most mediocre projects I've ever saw. The first two episodes were great. I was so excited for it because you know how I feel about those two characters. <laughs> yes. Because of Not because of the first two, but because of Revenge <laughs> of the Sith and the Clone Wars TV show. I have huge respect for the characters of Obi-Wan and yep. Anakin. And just the Clone Wars. Pretty much from when the Clone Wars starts. Mm-hmm. At the end of Attack of the Clones, up until, and then the TV show and Revenge of the Sith. That is just my my generation of Star Wars. Yep. That's what I grew up with. So I was super excited to see those characters on screen. For sure. But uh, it should have been a movie. It should not have been a series. Um, there was too much side stuff, too, too much, much filler. filler. Yeah. Uh, it just should have been way more focused on just Obi-Wan and Darth Vader and their journey together. Um so, you know, I'm feeling it with Star Wars. I, d- I haven't watched Boba Fett. I haven't watched Mandalorian. And as the new projects are being released, I'm starting to enjoy them less, less and less. And I don't think any have lived up yet to phase one to three, except for maybe Loki and Spider-Man No Way Home. For me, personally. Okay. And... Yeah, I, I just see okay. the it be maybe not the quality the quality deteriorating, but it just getting a bit oversaturated. The enjoyment. Yeah, the enjoyment. Have you watched of it. all the TV shows? Uh, yeah, I'm. I just need to watch Miss Marvel. Okay. But yeah, I watched What If, WandaVision, Falcon, Loki was the best by far, in my opinion. I think that was that's top ten. That's top tier Marvel for me. I agree easily. I really liked Hawkeye. Yeah. I had a really great time. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was okay. I loved it. I just thought it was fine. I can tell you right now with – let's not fucking spoil it. With Captain America gone, with with Chris Evans out, Florence Pugh is probably my favorite Marvel character Mm -hmm. right now. Yep. I would have to back that up. Fucking – she's my number one. I fucking love her. Yeah. For me, it would – it'd either be her or Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Good call. For sure. But, yeah, Chris Evans is still – to this day, my favorite, yeah, favorite MCU superhero, and favorite like his movies are my favorite. His character arcs my favorite. I love, yeah, Chris Evans is the shit. I was listening to another podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, they're called it's called the Cinephiles. Okay, and they, I want to say, I'd like to say that they're similar into our podcast, but they were there first. I just actually, right. did, I actually found them well after I started my own. Okay. And they literally break down the entire movie, like break it down, like they their episodes, like they do two episode almost two episodes per movie. Oh wow! Yeah, like they okay die and they're deep. pretty lengthy. Yeah, they're uh, well, they're about the same length as mine. They just split them into two parts. I just gotcha. keep we, I, I'm <laughs> yeah. lazy and just do mine in the three hours. They do unless two, it's Pulp Fiction. Yeah, unless it's Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Enough said. That was awesome. <laughs> um, but. They were they, they did um, uh, Captain America the First Avenger, yep, and just listening to them talk about it and then breaking it down and everything about it, I I started crying, I started crying. <laughs> That's how much I fucking love Captain America and Peggy Carter. I was just I was crying like not weeping a, but like yeah, I had tears. A tear came I was to like, your eye. Oh, you guys are fucking awesome. But yeah, yeah. 
Um, I a hundred percent get it. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing superhero fatigue. I'm seeing MCU fatigue on a lot of people already, and I one hundred percent understand. I will never get it. Yeah, yeah that I, won't happen for you. No, just because you, you haven't had that fatigue kick in since you were a kid, right? No, like you've been growing up pretty much since you were born reading comic books. My comics books, are right in there. Are they? Yep. What what collection's bigger? Your massive movie collection behind me, or your comic book collection? Well, there's about a thousand movies there. Holy shit! Altogether, do I have more than a thousand comics? I must hold on. Let's take a look. Six boxes of comics. Six comic boxes. Let's see. Comic. Comic box. Capacity. Hmm. Wow, you're really diving into the science. 150 times six. That's almost 1,000. 150 times six? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So it's their so. fucking neck and neck. Yeah. Pretty even. They're neck and neck. But movies overtake comics any day. Yeah, like uh, movies. Comics? Comics? Comics were your first love. Uh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. They they stole your heart first. Yeah. I was introduced to comics around the age of 10. I didn't fall in love with movies until I was about... Actually, I, I, I can almost track everything. In my... Like ten to fifteen, ten to fifteen year olds. I my that year I was just it was as every boy was. I was yeah. just in action films, so okay. Schwarzenegger, especially yeah. Schwarzenegger. Yeah, and but sixteen was Sharon Stone. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, sixteen, S- sixteen or seventeen. I was still in high school when Basic Instinct came out. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to see it in the theater, obviously. But as soon as it hit home video, oh boy, um, you watched it a plentiful amount. Yeah, yes. Um. But yeah, it would have been the first movie that the first movie that kind of piqued my interest in that movies are different was Platoon in nineteen eighty six. Okay. I went to Platoon I was eleven oh, or wow. twelve and my yeah. best friend's dad took me and my best friend at that age to go see Platoon. I still haven't seen that one. Kinda so fuck kinda fucked me up at that age, I won't really? lie. But I was yeah. like I'm like, this is different in like this really interesting way. Mm-hmm. But then in um in 92, when I saw Last of the Mohicans, that's, yep. that's what changed also everything. Also, still haven't seen that. Hopefully, will be soon. I hope so. Um, but, yeah, f- until I was collecting comics until roughly, I'd say, 1998, 1999, roughly. Okay, wow. And then uh, might have been, yeah, maybe even 2000. But it was around there mm-hmm. that my buying of comics and movies was getting too expensive to do both i see and i was spending more time i was spending more t- i was spending more time watching movies and i was kind of just collecting comics because i'd always done it mm-hmm. and i found myself not i would have like the stack at home waiting to be read and i'd look i'm like i could read those or i could watch or you a could movie, watch, watch a movie, movie. <laughs> and so i was like i need to i need to cutting off my my comic buying yeah was devastating because mm-hmm. i went to the same comic shop every day for over 10 years was like it not every was day. it zach's what was the co- was it here in Kamloops? yeah what one uh what was it uh it's now called high octane high octane in downtown yeah 
Yeah, I know the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They it sell was... lots of D&D stuff there, right? Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they have a game room in the basement. Yeah, I was just in there a couple days ago. Um, it wasn't Kyle. I wish I could remember what it was called. Because it, wa- it wasn't High Octane when I was buying comics there. Mm-hmm. Can't remember what it was called. But that that's the store it was. Yeah. <clears throat> and I would go in. Wednesday was comic day. Wednesday, every there Wednesday is when new comics came in. Wow. Yeah. It was good. Old it was times. Good. Well, now we live in 2022, and both of those passions have somehow blended together. Yes. <clears throat> I, I can tell you right now, if I told 12-year-old me that I would get to see the Avengers on the big screen, yeah. or, well, for me, the X-Men was my comic, but 12-year-old me <laughs> would be just as mad at the X-Men movies as I am now, so i tell him yeah. the Avengers are worth it. Hopefully but, that'll have a good reboot to it. I'm, I'm, uh, we'll see. Are you hoping on a recast for that? Well, they if, they, if they, they come into the they, MCU? Not, they will be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they they have to recast. Hugh Jackman's yeah. not. He can't get back into that. No, he can't. Maybe Professor X can stay. Uh, no, I, I'll be on. Let's see. It's 2022. They bought it 2019 or 1920. I would say we're not seeing the X Men before 2025. Yeah, I would agree with that because we're definitely gonna have. Fantastic Four before yep. we have X-Men. Do you know who's directing that? Fantastic Four? Isn't it... Um, I, I thought it was the same guy that was doing Spider-Man. It is. Yeah, John Watts. John Watts. Oh, he's going to kill it. I know. Yeah. Yes. He's he, going to kill it. He, um, yeah, I, I don't... I think I'm really hoping... I, As long as Kevin Feige is in charge, yep. I will never doubt Marvel. Yep. The moment that he retires... Then I'll start It'll come into doubts. question. Then yeah. I'll start he needs doubts. to pick a good heir. Yep. A trustworthy heir. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you give Thor Love and Thunder? Um, I will withhold from giving it a rating yet. Right. I don't rate Marvel movies until I see them twice. And which is also the reason why I don't have any notes on it is because I like to get a, f- a better and yeah. like fuller grasp of my thoughts just because i'm such a big marvel fan yeah like i said i'm starting to feel fatigue but like i don't see myself not going to each one in the theaters until like at least for the next like four years like yeah. i fucking saw morbius in theaters i'm definitely seeing oh, I didn't see the morbius. ones that are gonna be good I you didn't I even watch it nope nope I there's don't, i don't trust the only Sony. reason I why Sony. to watch it is because of the post credit scene and how it connects to the mcu that is literally the only reason other than that you can skip it. I could even t- I could spoil it for you after we got off air if you really wanted to. I'll think about it. Yeah. All right. So that's but what you've been watching. That is nice collection there. Thank you. Thank Good you. Good job. Uh, I've what? got some movies that I've been watching. Okay. <clears throat> How many? Uh, just four. Okay. There's been more, but I'm not going to talk about them all. Okay. Just the ones I want to talk about. Some shit ones in there. <laughs> so I continued my 1992 rewatch. Yep. Or uh, revisit, and I. Uh, Got to tackle a movie I'd only seen once before. And I remember okay. thinking was pretty good. I remember it being pretty acclaimed. Um, so you said you saw it in 1992? I, I probably would have saw it in 1993. I didn't see it in the theaters. Okay. Definitely saw it on home video. Yeah. Now, whether I saw it like in 1993 or I picked, I rented it sometime in the 90s, it was definitely, I haven't seen it since the 90s. Okay. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the movie's called Glengarry Gone Ross. Um, Glengarry Glenn Ross. Yeah, Glengarry Glenn Ross. It's uh, directed by James Foley, written by David Mamet, who is a very famous playwright. His plays, this is based off his own play. Mm-hmm. His, David Mamet is incredible with dialogue. 
to like he's like right there with Sorkin. Oh, really? Yeah, for the, like for dialogue, s- screen dialogue. Yeah, but he's a, like he's a playwright and he's turned some of his plays into films, and this is one wow. of them. He wasn't the director; he's just the writer. Yeah. Um, stars Al Pacino, Jack Lemmon, Alec Baldwin, uh, Kevin Spacey, Ooh. and Ed Harris. Yeah, that is quite the lineup. It's Owen oh, and uh, oh no, that's Jack Lemmon. Oh, and Alan Arkin as well. Okay. <clears throat> it's um, an examination of the uh, machinations behind the scenes at a real estate office. This is just basically five guys, pretty much five guys in a room at the top of their acting prowess. That's it's awesome. all about this, um, this real estate firm, and they are told – um, whoever sells the most uh, gets a new car. Second place uh, gets a set of steak knives, and whoever finishes last is fired. All right. And it's just kind of set over the course of about two days, and it's just these guys. That's cool. Talking and is it in this filmed over this in the same location? Yep. For the whole movie, it's pretty much. I love I'd that. say ninety-five percent of it is inside that office. Insa- oh, sa- same room cinema is one of my favorite styles. Yeah, uh, I think you'd like this because this yeah. is like an actor's delight. Okay. Uh, are they going? Are they hamming it up? No, oh. no. These th- think of this. This is l- literally like watching a play. Oh, okay. This is ve- this is yeah. a very like I don't want to say like a serious film. It's not theatrical, but, but this is yeah. like an actor's delight. Like this is the yeah. kind of characters and scenes you just get to chew on and enjoy and interpret. Uh, it's it was really really good. Mm-hmm. I remember it being good, and rewatching it here was even more enjoyable. Uh, being older. Because yeah. when I first watched it, it's when I was kind of just discovering movies. Yeah, just getting into it. I don't it. think I really truly got to appreciate what I was watching back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had a great time. Uh, it's a four to five for me. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, also, in a smaller a smaller role, it's funny, uh, is Jonathan Price as well. Jonathan Price. Uh, he was nominated for The Two Popes. Oh, okay. Yep. So literally all the actors have either won an Oscar or been nominated. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like something I'd be into for sure. Yeah. And it's a, it's a 92. 92. So I'll have to add it. Yep. What'd you watch it on? I had to rent it. Uh, okay. Yeah. I see. It's not, stre- it's not streaming anywhere just yet. Uh, next up uh, was a movie I love that is nothing but flawed. And a lot of people I know that have seen this movie don't like it. And I 100% can see why. Everybody that has ever stated any problem they have with this film, I completely agree with. Mm-hmm. Despite all of that, it's a movie that I love, and that is 1997's Contact. Um, it's directed by Robert Zemeckis, uh, based off a Carl Sagan book. Uh, it stars Jodie Foster, Matthew McConaughey, and Tom Skerritt. Oh, wow. Um, the plot, Dr. Ellie Arroway, after years of searching, finds conclusive radio proof of extraterrestrial intelligence, sending plans for a mysterious machine. So the movie is about the search for extraterrestrial life. Um, not spoiling anything, but okay. she finds they get a radio transmission from space from these aliens, telling them, uh, sending them instructions on how to build a machine. 
And so the whole mm. movie is about the ramifications. Do they build it? How do they know it's not a bomb to destroy the human civilization? Right. Um, it's about uh, Jodie Foster believes in science, mm-hmm. and Matthew McConaughey uh, is a priest, uh, and ah. he believes in religion. And it's yeah. a conflict of faith and proof. You get to see the two opposing forces yes. clash. And That's it's cool. really long. Okay. What's it's the runtime? Two and a half. Okay. Yeah, that's <clears throat> stretching it a bit. It does not need to be that long. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I still like this movie. The things right. that drew me to this movie, the one thing I'll always remember about this movie is I saw this in the theater. Okay. I did a double bill that night. Oh, wow. I watched Men in Black, and nice. then I watched this. And are you a fan of both? I am. I am. Damn. I kind of like – I like this one more. They are two completely different films. Okay. Like, Men in Black is a lot of fun, right? It's yeah. a It's a short, fun movie about aliens on Earth. This is a very deep philosophical movie. Yeah. What I loved about this movie with Contact is at the time, in 1997, CGI was still new. Okay. And so Robert Zemeckis was incorporating CGI in his films. There, There's one shot in this movie that for years I could not figure out how he did it mm-hmm. until I realized, oh, he just used CGI. It is this right. beautiful shot of just this – is that a spoiler? No. I can leave it at this. This girl is running to the medicine cabinet to get medicine for somebody, mm-hmm. and you are – the, the camera shot is she is running towards the camera. So you follow – the camera's in front of her, and she's running towards the camera, and the camera Is follows, backing up. Backing up. So yeah. she's running towards the camera the whole time. She keeps – she runs up the stairs, down this hallway, to a medicine cabinet. And when it gets to the medicine cabinet, she's still in front of you. And then all of a sudden, this hand comes out of the screen and opens the medicine cabinet. So it looks like you've been looking in the mirror. What? Yes. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. And I was like, I don't get how they did that because the image you have is the mirror on the medicine cabinet that they opened. So yeah. you watch that camera go down the stairs, come, come up the stairs. It's an incredible shot. That yeah, that sounds brilliant. I could not find where the cut was. Now I know all it is is that it's you just – just CGI'd the hand just, in there? <laughs> no, no. They didn't CGI the hand. They filmed that, and then they put that film on the mirror – it's it's you'll you'll you, okay, if you watch yeah, it I'd, I'd have to watch it to, if you to figure when it out. you watch it now knowing about cgi it's easy to see how they did the shot yeah then i had no clue and i yeah. spent months this is pre-internet so i couldn't yeah. look it up i had to try and figure it out couldn't it if infuri- it, it didn't infuriate me it just fascinated me beyond yeah, that point because all this technology was yeah. just being made at the time and there's another one which is simple there's mm-hmm. just this one um uh, one camera movement, the the um, the camera starts outside a house, yep. pans up, and then goes through a door. I didn't know about CGI doors. I'm like, how did the camera go through the door? I'm like, you don't see the door split. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, because there's um, a wind like window pane in the door, right? Mm-hmm. So you you can see through the glass, and then it goes through the glass. Through the I'm glass. like, I know there's glass there, and. There's no way the hole that the glass is in is big enough for a camera to get through. Yeah. And I'm like, and you can tell they're not zooming in. It's the camera. It's the camera and moving in. I was like, yeah. I don't understand how they made the shot. I'm like, yeah. okay, did they do it in reverse and they just close the door behind it? It was 
wasn't that um isn't there a really famous shot in Citizen Kane of them going through a glass? Going through a window. Going through Oh yeah, well this was a window too, right? Yeah, but there was glass in it. <laughs> but the glass in the door CGI. That's oh, that's what I couldn't wrap yeah. my mind around. Okay. So yeah, it's that was one of the reasons and like uh, the one of the other things the the movie for me hooked me from the start cuz it has this beautiful opening shot, the opening idea. Um you see an image of earth. Yep. You're and you're in space. Okay. And there's just this cacophony of sound. Like Music and all the stuff, and then the, pa- the the camera pans away from Earth, like you're on a rocket ship flying away. And wow. as it gets away, the radio the radio signals or the the music you hear starts getting older because that's how far that sound has traveled in space. So as you start getting further and further away from Earth, you start hearing older and older radio songs. And then once you get farther away, it's just silence. But it keeps going, pulling and keeps going farther and farther away. You start seeing all these incredible things in space. Wow. Like you see the Milky Way, you watch all these things, and as it pulls away, it pulls away, goes on forever, and then it pulls away, and you're you're looking you're just looking into somebody's eye, and it's Ellie Arroway as a child. Oh, weird. Yeah. Yeah. So there's probably a lot of deep messaging yeah. to that shot. So yeah. this movie has always just resonated with me because of the the te- technical aspects, the mm-hmm. filmmaking process. And I, it's just a movie I really enjoy. It does not need to be two and a half hours. There's a lot oh, you that you can cut, cut out. out easily. And there's no chemistry between Jodie mm. Foster and Matthew McConaughey. It must be a re- quite a young Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Is this one of his breakouts? No, this is short. This is shortly after he blew up. Okay. Because um, Dazed and Confused is 93. A Time to Kill is, I think, 94, 90, no, 95. 95, 95, 96. That's, okay. that's where he exploded was A Time to Kill. Right. And then this is just after that. This I might see. be his follow-up. Right. Yeah. So he's, so he's super young. And wh- so what are people's main gripes with it then? It's too long. Yeah. I don't want to spoil what happens at the end, but okay. a lot of people have a huge problem oh. with the ending. With and what, how it's written? A choice made. Okay. A choice made. Yeah. And I can understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, a complete lack of chemistry mm-hmm. between them. Hold on, Charles and I were just talking about this film. Let's see if I can find some of his other complaints because he fucking he hates it. <sighs> yeah. Ooh. Oh, it might be too far back. Let's see. Come on, come on, come on. This makes for great podcasting, right? No, I got nothing. Shoot. <laughs> I'll believe it. Shit, yeah. Okay. I'll find it for another time. Um, but yeah. I personally love this movie. Mm-hmm. I'll I'm always happy to recommend people to watch it, knowing full well they're That's not gonna like it. They're hopefully they'll like it as much as I do. I but don't probably know. Probably not. Probably not. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will find things to enjoy. Mm-hmm. But the idea that someone would enjoy it as much as me, yeah. I've kind of given up on. And if somebody does, I'm going to be happy as a clam. Yeah. But um, for me, Contact is a four out of five. It's a movie awesome. that I revisit pretty frequently. Probably yeah. once or about once a year. Yeah. Love love Contact. That's perfectly perfectly fine to have something that's close to your heart that other people might not enjoy it yeah. as much. Like uh, Revenge of the Sith. The other... Yeah. <laughs> um, Thor Love and Thunder is another movie I watched recently. We already talked about it. Mm-hmm. I did give it a four out of five. Okay. Uh, yeah, I had a great time with it. The last movie I want to talk about was a movie I had heard about. 
I finally it finally hit a streaming site. I've been waiting for months. Uh-huh. Uh, and the movie's called Plan B. Oh. It has it's directed by Natalie Morris. It's written by Joshua Levy and Prathiksha Srinbasan. Okay. Uh, the stars are Kuhu Verma and Victoria Morales. Mm-hmm. This stars nobody I've ever seen. Okay. Nobody I've ever heard of. Yeah. And the plot of the movie is follows a straight-laced high school student and her slacker best friend who, after a regrettable first sexual encounter, have 24 hours to hunt down a Plan B pill in America's heartland. Considering what's going down in the States, this movie's release is perfect timing. This is a comedy about a girl trying to find a Plan B pill. This movie is fucking hilarious. Could not be perfectly timed. This movie is so fun and so funny. I was laughing throughout. I had a great time with this movie. I can't recommend it enough. It's That's an, awesome. I think it's a yeah. It's an hour forty-seven. You could easily shave about fifteen minutes out of here. Mm-hmm. There's some like truly fucking amazing like moments in here. They go through yeah. some incredible adventures. The things I love always. I always love movies that are very sex positive for women. Mm-hmm. These women are not shamed. The, the girl is not shamed for losing her virginity. And her best friend is so incredibly supportive. Mm-hmm. And once again, it's these two friends supporting one another to try and, while it's play for comedy, it's also kind of serious. This girl does not want to get pregnant. She is mm-hmm. um, of, uh, of Indian descent. I don't know exactly where. I don't know if she is Indian or Pakistani or yeah, one of those surrounding somewhere companies. Somewhere from that region. She's from that mm-hmm. region. And so she has the overbearing mother, and she doesn't want to fail her, and that's the reason that she wants to get this Plan B pill because she's huh. 16 or 17, doesn't want to, quote-unquote, ruin her life. But they go on this incredible adventure trying to find a Plan B pill. and Yeah, that sounds fast. It's, it's, all, it's starting to sound like sort of the Palm Springs of 2022. Sort of like a little hidden gem comedy yeah. that you wouldn't think is as good as it actually is until you go into it. Yeah. Uh, I had a really great time with this movie. I gave it a four to five. It's awesome. on Disney right now. Okay. Yeah. I'll check it. And how how'd you say it came onto your radar? I heard about it on a podcast. Uh, I th- it was playing one of the festivals. Yeah. And, and one of the people that was, had, was covering the festival said, I saw this great comedy called Plan B and then told me. And then I heard what the premise was. I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. I'm like... You know, and again, <clears throat> I I'm not trying to be a white knight, but mm-hmm. y- me especially, like I'm more than twice your age. But you and I are blessed with numerous male comedies, yes. and finally, more and more female centric comedies are starting yeah. to come, like Booksmart, Booksmart, which is knocking on my top twenty of all time. I fucking love that movie. That's a great movie. I fucking love that movie. And so seeing these kind of movies finally being more mainstream, mm-hmm. I want I want to try and promote them because I think they're just as good as, as all the comedies yep. that we've gotten throughout the 2000s. Yeah. I, yeah. I had my time. I'm not going to complain. If they want to do nothing but female – we do 90% female comedies and I get 10% guys, I had my time. I'm not going to complain. Yeah. I got 40 years of comedies focused towards me. Exactly. So And as long as it – continues to live up to the standard as the ones that came before yeah but there's tons of shitty guy comedies oh yeah exactly right so 
I'm willing to forgive. Like, if I watch a really shitty female-driven comedy, oh, well, that that sucks. But I've seen a shit ton of shitty guy comedies. Yeah. So I don't have a problem with it. This, in my opinion, not a shitty one. I had a great time. I laughed a lot. It's fun. Hmm. It's easy. Again, it's an hour 47. Not too yeah. much of an ask. Didn't need to be that long. Uh, hour 47? Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not too bad at all. Yeah. Absolute fun. Like I said, it is on Disney Plus right now. Awesome. 100% worth checking out. Well, that is going to be shot straight to the top of my watch list. Wicked. For sure. And that's everything <clears throat> that I've been watching. Awesome. Now, before we get going, yeah, I want to give a shout out to one of our listeners. A shout out? Yeah. Her name is Izzy. Izzy. And apparently Hello, she's- Hello, Izzy. Hi, Izzy. I heard you listen to the show. I'm very excited to have you listening. I don't know if you listen to every episode. I don't know if you'll hear this episode- but if you are. But you are. So shout out to you. And I heard that you're a trampoline ninja. I have no idea what that means, but I was told to say it. All Izzy, right. the trampoline ninja. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. All right. Let's awesome. get into the reason we are yes. doing this podcast. Which is? Malcolm X. Aha. Released November 18th, 1992. Directed by Spike Lee. Written by Spike mm-hmm. Lee and Arnold Pearl based off the autobiography of Malcolm X as told to Alex Haley. Starring Denzel Washington, Angela Bassett, and Delroy Lindo. Has a meta score of 73. That was criminally low. It uh, had two Oscar nominations. One, Best Actor for Denzel Washington and Best Caution Design. Had a budget of $33 million and grossed 48. The plot, biographical epic of the controversial and influential black nationalist leader from his early life and career as a small-time gangster, to his ministry as a member of the Nation of Islam. Nice. Wesley, my fine friend, Man. you stepped up to the plate. I did. And offered to review this movie without having seen it. Never. What are your spoiler-free thoughts on Malcolm X? Well, as you just said, uh, I had never seen this before, and I did not know much about it, um, about the movie or the person going into it. Obviously... I knew that this movie was about Malcolm X, and I've heard that it's just a historic performance from Denzel Washington, which, of course, it is because he is so stargazing throughout the whole movie. Um, But, you know, being such a big acting fan, um, a fan of great acting, and also being a really massive history nerd, Mm. I didn't know if you knew that or not. I didn't. Did I? I feel like I'm, I did. I'm minoring in film studies. Yes. Um, but my close second up would have been history. If nice. I didn't have such a big passion for film. But being such a big history snob, uh, it got me excited to check this out so I could learn more about a person I don't know and more mm-hmm. about a really important time in U.S. and and world history. So I was just I was expecting you know a good biopic uh, with an unbelievable performance at the helm. You yeah. Know? I didn't know if it was going to be anything too special in terms of how it was made or how it was directed. Yep. I throw it on, and then I see these magical words come on the screen. <laughs> a Spike Lee joint. And you didn't even know it was I a Spike Lee movie? I had no idea this, <laughs> this was a Spike more. Lee movie. And I just got giddy because personally, I think Spike Lee is one of the greatest to ever do it. Obvi- like, I haven't seen a lot of his films. This is my fifth one to date. I've seen... Uh, Black Klansman, yep. Do the Right Thing, um, Inside Man, The Five Bloods, and now Malcolm X. Do you want me to reveal my ranking now? No. Or later? No. Later? Or you, you want to rank? You're going to rank all five? Yeah, I have them in order. Let's do them at the end. At the end? Yeah, okay, perfect. I'll Sounds rate it in good. Confirmed. 
Um, but yeah, I had no idea that this was um, a Spike Lee made film. And it lets you know right from the get-go. Uh, this is just a master class on camera placement and camera movement uh, throughout the whole thing. I thought the cinematography was brilliant. Uh, the way that he is able to establish location and establish character all within one foul swoop with these beautiful camera movements throughout the whole thing, I just thought was excellent. Um, and you can just feel his fingerprints on the whole thing. Yeah. And I loved that. Um, and of course, the man himself, the man at the front of the movie malcolm x or sorry i meant denzel washington it's you know i got him mixed up a bit because he just falls so far into this role yeah especially i think um towards the um second half yeah of uh this movie when he when malcolm x uh when he joins the joins nation the the nation of islam yeah he really falls into that character the yeah. beginning like the first chunk like we'll get into it a bit but i think um it's Denzel being his charismatic self. Yep. But then as the movie goes on, I think he falls more into it. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the, the best words I think to describe Spike Lee as a director is that he's a great revolutionary director. Yes. Like a lot of his movies have a very revolutionary, a revolutionary feel to it. Like this one or black Landsman or even do the right thing at parts of that. And I really like that about it. Uh, but it's definitely a commitment <laughs> Um, you know, as it's a lengthy three hours and 20 minutes, but yeah. I definitely think it deserves that runtime because it's technically three character arcs or three character points that is built in to the whole movie. Like the first like hour and 20 minutes is one you see Malcolm X as a certain person yeah. and then he for the middle chunk of the movie, he's a certain way. And then the third chunk of the movie, he's another way you see him go over these three points of his life. And I think like that, that's why it makes it sort of okay that it's this long. I'm um, with you. It didn't yep. bother me. Um, so yeah, I overall I had a really, really good time with this movie uh, because Denzel Washington is just one of the most charismatic actors one of the greatest actors to ever do it if malcolm x was half as charismatic in real life you'd still need denzel washington to play him like there's no other actor i think that you could have got to play him uh <clears throat> yeah i'll leave it at that i know we'll, we'll get into his performance a bit yep. more and obviously dive deeper into the movie but um yeah it was i had a really good time good i'm so it, it makes me so happy that you enjoyed it and i actually forgot about your your love for spike lee so mm -hmm. i think i i remember when you uh volunteered for this i thought it was because it was a spike lee film so knowing nope. that you were surprised by that just makes me giddy i could i can just see your face Whoa! yeah I freaked out. <laughs> um malcolm x i saw in the theater Oh, wow. uh, I went with my friend, uh, one of my best friends at the time. His name is Marty. Mm -hmm. He was uh, very into black culture at that time. Black okay. culture was really starting. This is the be, this is right near the beginning, the beginning stages of when hip hop, hip -hop was, would take yeah. its rise. Because this was right around the time of like Straight Outta Compton. Yes, uh, or sorry, N.W.A. and yep. their 
record straight out of Compton. Yep. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. and and I doubt 100% on telling you right now I used to make fun of my friend Marty because he definitely was the kind of guy that thought he was black when he's not. Right. Yeah. He is very Caucasian, but he was uh deep into uh mm-hmm. black culture. And so it was actually him that wanted me to go to this movie with him. Okay. And at did that you, oh, Sorry, did you know of Malcolm oh, X yeah. at that point yeah, yeah, like yeah. you learned about him? Yeah. Okay. I knew about him from I don't because I'm much older i don't know how much i hate to say this i think i think because of the proliferation of social media Mm -hmm. and the abundance of entertainment that your generation has Mm -hmm. i don't feel for the most part your generation is in touch with the past as my generation is and even the generation before mine I didn't have as much as many avenues for entertainment, so we, part of our entertainment, like when I was growing up, we had, well, I think there was only twelve channels on our TV, but only three of them were major networks, and a lot of them, <clears throat> yeah, three major networks, two Canadian channels, the public broadcasting system. And those were probably the really the only channels. So like pretty much seven. Yeah, that you would actually watch. Wow. And then one of the channels was the local yeah. was the local Kamloops channel. Like not not even yeah. CFJC, but like local local, local stuff. <laughs> like low grade in the basement. Like, like locally like, made? Like yeah, like Wayne's World level shit. Oh. Yeah. You never yeah, watched that it. Doesn't, yeah. You might find a couple gems on there, which was fun. Yeah. Like my sister my one of my older sisters had friends that had the show on there that became like a small cult hit within Kamloops. That's cool. It was Filmed cool. In Kamloops. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. It was like a, it was like a like a, a comedy sketch show. Cool. What was it called? That's gonna bug me. I'm gonna try and remember the name of it. Anyways, so we we de- like I when I was younger, I definitely read a lot more. Okay. And we watched a lot more watched a lot more educational stuff mm-hmm. as well because we didn't really have much of a choice, and. So I knew who Malcolm X was, uh, and at this time, even prior to prior to this movie coming out, with the kind of the rise of of black culture, Mm -hmm. um, Malcolm X was kind of getting this resurgence at that time. So his he was his teachings, his philosophy was already kind of in the pop culture when this movie came out. Uh, So I was kind of looking forward to seeing this anyways Mm -hmm. prior to going, and I wasn't let down. I was pretty blown away by what I saw. I've probably – so the rewatch for this, I probably haven't watched Malcolm X in about 10 years. I'd say probably all in all I've probably watched about six or seven times in my life. Wow. So well over a day spent – yeah. This movie. <laughs> yeah. And every time I'm just reminded on what an incredible film this is. I agree. It is it's three hours and twenty two minutes long. I wouldn't take anything out of it. I like I like biopics and I like biopics when they're done well. And when you have um a performance this incredible and a man of this importance telling his whole entire life is a great way. To, sh- to let us know the whole character, whereas a uh, biopic similar to Lincoln, where we basically just get 
It's not Lincoln's life story. No, it's just him. It's one small major part yep. of his life story. And it's mm-hmm. still it's a fantastic film, but it's it's con- just different. It, it's very condensed. Yeah. So, or like Spencer, for example, because it's like just Princess Diana's. Yeah, life one Christmas leading, leading up to her leaving the royal family. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. this is. I would I wouldn't change anything about this film. I mm-hmm. this is a, it it is not quite, but it's almost a cradle to grave story. Mm-hmm. Uh very similar to um, Ray, the story of uh, Ray Charles. Haven't watched that. Really good. Yeah. The performance by Oscar Jamie Foxx, Oscar winner, Oscar winner mm-hmm. is amazing. The film itself is okay. Yeah, he's but the, the performance. He's the reason to watch it. it to new yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This Im- this is a step up because, mm-hmm. the like you said, Spike Lee's talent as a filmmaker is undeniable. I love the word that you use, revolutionary. Well, one of the things I always enjoyed about Spike Lee is he's not afraid to stir the pot. Mm-hmm. He is not afraid to uh, be controversial and to push the boundaries. And to heat things up, yep. per se. And uh, I love that about him, and that is on full display mm-hmm. with the way he opens this film. With that said, let's get to the opening of this film. Let's do it. Spike opens <laughs> with the burning of the American flag. <laughs> Overcut with Denzel giving a Malcolm X speech. Mm-hmm. The other thing it's intercut with, which I was kind of interested in, is it shows the beating of a man. Do you know that footage? I do. That is the Rodney King beating, yes. correct? Do you, do you know about Rodney King? I do a lot because – so I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a massive rap fan. Okay. Like a huge I did not hip-hop know that. head. And when I was about in grade six or grade seven, yep. which I, I know is a bit young – be listening to this music but it was nwa that got me into it so i it would have been about 2013 2014 back around then or 2014 2015 uh and it was it was nwa that actually got me into it and i I remember listening to their albums watching a bunch of documentaries about them and i believe their second album came out right around the time that rodney king had happened and Mm -hmm. i knew about like the la riots because they were very much involved in that in what was happening yep. there. So I knew I knew um, those clips right away. But I think, because this came out in 92 and those were in 91, correct? correct? So I think him, Early 91, I think him intercutting the real footage of that is him obviously trying to show that this movie is going to be applicable for today and we can talk about it in, in present day's standards. <laughs> this movie's 30 right? years old and... Sadly, not much has changed. Exactly. <laughs> like that's so fucking sad. That's the unfortunate part. Yeah. But you know, present day for '92 was those like the Rodney King. This was beating. so. This was it, huge. The Rodney King thing was huge yeah. in '92. It's a similar similar trend that he uses. Um, like I saw it in Black Klansman too. The ending of that movie, he yep. intercuts like with the um like the clips of trump and the 2017 uh charlottesville riots yep. that happened and how you know just the same thing is continuing to go on for generations within the u.s sadly <sighs> but i think that's what i think that's what like intercutting those clips was oh 100 percent. he's just he's basically saying hey nothing's fucking changed yeah you guys need to, and shit needs to change yeah. um so we open with that fantastic opening to the movie and we uh, transition over to Boston during the war, and we get to see Spike Lee and his zoot suit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fantastic tracking shot. 
the camera work in this movie is it's amazing. How this avoided a cinematography nomination is beyond me. What was nominated that year? Okay, so uh, a river runs through it. One haven't seen it. It's good. Okay. The mo- the movie is is it's fine. The one thing if you mm-hmm. if you decide to watch it, you'd be like, "Holy fuck, Brad Pitt is a baby." <laughs> it is Brad Pitt. Oh yeah. He is fuck yes. So young. Yeah. He is, is so young. Like too young to be a heartthrob? No, he is in the thick he, of his heartthrobbiness. <laughs> you're like that that is a beautiful man. Yeah. That is a beautiful man. So I would say Holy, yeah, he must have maybe he must have been twenty. What was his um, big breakout role again? The year before, okay, his big breakout role was the year before Thelma and Louise. Louise. Yes, okay. this is a follow up. This wasn't a huge hit, um, but it would have been. What am I missing? There's a, a oh, uh, Legend of the Fall. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. That was that ninety three. Yes. Okay, so that this came after before. This is ninety two. Yeah, there, that's what I meant. Oh, Legends of Fall came Legend after. Legend of the Fall came yeah. after River Runs Through. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. River Runs Through It, beautifully shot. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. Uh, and then Hoffa doesn't deserve to be on this list. Trust me. I watched okay. it. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. About Hoffa. Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. The dude from uh, The Irishman. Yeah. Right? Don't watch it. No. It's. Not I gave it a one. It. Ooh. Yeah. It's that bad. Hey? Yeah. Uh, Howard's End. Hey. There it is. Uh, the Lover, which I haven't seen, and Unforgiven. Unforgiven, which I'm assuming deserves to be on there. Yes, it does. Yeah. That movie's unbelievable. Also haven't watched it. I oh. need to get going on my 92. Two. Okay. Um, but yes, the this is a large tracking shot. It yeah. shows you everything. This is an amazing – I don't even – it's not a set. It's an actual location. Uh, it's beautiful. His zoot suit is absolutely gorgeous. I fucking love zoot suits. And we're introduced to Malcolm Little, who is getting his hair mm-hmm. done – uh, and I think they call it, I think it's called a gonk is what they were doing with his hair. I think it's putting all like that gel in yeah. his hair that starts to heat up. Yeah. That, that the editing in the scene is great. Hey, yeah. In the barbershop scene. Yeah. Like it, you start to see it, um, as the, uh, like you can just tell throughout the movie that Spike Lee has just such a good understanding of cinematic language. And, when the gel starts to quote unquote heat up is when he transitions to his close up shots of Denzel's wa- Washington's face. Yep. It's like he just knows how to portray the right like emotion through the camera, but mm-hmm. also this, I guess, like tone through the camera. Like yep. he just knows exactly what to do and how to place it and how to edit it. I think this would be worthy of a best editing nom. I would agree. Okay, well, Unforgiven wins. Mm-hmm. Basic Instinct was nominated. I love oh, the wow. ending in that. Ooh, that's going to be rough. So The Crying Game, A Few Good Men, and The Player. Now, I haven't seen The Player. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if I could take out any of those for this. They're all that good, hey? Yeah. Then this, I must have something to look forward to then. Because yeah. I thought the editing in this was outstanding. It is good. Yeah. I could take out The Crying Game. I could take out The Crying Game. Mm-hmm. I couldn't take out Basic Instinct. I think that movie was so perfectly put together. All right. Um, Malcolm tells the story of his birth. The clan arrives. Mm-hmm. Um, his father was huge. I think his father, he said his father was like 6'4". Yeah. Uh, and not afraid. Proud to be black. Yeah. 
But his father was a preacher who was preaching that the black man should leave America and head back to Africa, which obviously helps uh, uh, influence Malcolm's own beliefs Mm -hmm. later on in life. Um, His mother was quite fair because her mother was raped by a white man. So she's kind of half white. So she married his dad because he was so dark. And even oh. with that, Malcolm himself, if you've seen real pictures of Malcolm X, he's yeah. actually not that dark. He's, a bit he, he's still light skin, right? very light skinned. Yeah. I shouldn't say very light skinned. Yeah. You obviously can tell that he's African American, but yeah. he's uh he's still light skinned for uh for a black man. For sure. We get a great dance scene at the club. Oh so good. Yeah. Yeah. This I love swing dance. I love it. Is that what this is called? That's what the, the type, type dance. of dance they're doing is called swing dancing. And I, the sw- swing dancing made a little bit of a comeback in the 90s where yeah. people were actually, they weren't dressed up in zoot suits, but people would actually, at nightclubs, would actually swing dance. The The DJ would play a couple swing songs. That's and cool. you, it was. I thought, that was, I thought swing music was 20s. It is. It but. it's the the type of dancing where they're doing where they're you know you're mm-hmm. you're throwing you're kind of throwing people over your shoulder okay. like they're doing and throwing them through their legs it's all called swing dancing. Yeah. Um, I fucking I love this. This this, se- this scene just seemed like it would be so much fun to film, right? Hey, yeah. Like. And this is as this scene was going on, and I'm looking through it for a critical eye. I was kind of thinking, I'm like, okay, this movie is three hours and 20 minutes. I'm like, this dancing doesn't need to be this mm-hmm. long. But as I kept watching, I'm like, this is so fun. It is so fun. I'm like, why would you want to cut any of this? But I agree that there is maybe a bit of stuff towards the end that does feel a bit rushed through or maybe not spent enough time on. Yep. That, like, I agree, could have been switched for certain scenes of the yeah. thing, like the dancing. But it's fine. It's so, yeah, it's just so much fun. It's I so love much- the... <laughs> The sort of like the slide that uh, Spike Lee does into the camera to yes. finish off a scene, kind of like I know you're fucking watching. Like, yeah, I know you're there. Like he <laughs> stares with his hand on his chin. Like oh, it's so cool. Yeah, and just the way the camera moves throughout the room too, I thought was really cool. Yeah, uh, and it has like a lot of quick cuts to. You can sort of tell that the camera's on a tripod, like a, like establishing like location or yep. establishing extras throughout, and then. Go, going back to Denzel and um, what's the woman's name that he's dancing with again? Ooh, is it Laura? Uh, not too sure because it's Sophia is the white Sophia is the white girl, and then it's the other one. Which that dynamic feeds a lot into uh, Malcolm's character. Laura, arc. I was right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but um, nailed it. Yeah, and then when the camera was on them, it was like up in the air and it was moving a lot. And yeah, I just I just thought the way that this scene also was edited and shot was just. It was quite spectacular. Yep. Um, where we do meet, um, we do meet Sophia. Mm-hmm. Now, he walks Laura home and goes back to meet with Sophia. It had been so long since I watched it, and <laughs> because I, well, recently I've been watching. Well, I watched Mississippi Burning. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Great movie. Yeah. I watched that in school. Yeah. So yeah. good. So I was. I kept wondering. I'm like, okay when are the white guys coming to beat him up? Like mm. I thought, I thought Sophia was a trap. Oh, I see. Cause I'd forgot, I'd forgotten yeah. so much of the movie. And so I kept waiting for, 
yeah. the white guys to show up and there's a trap. Uh, One really big laugh out loud moment for me was mm-hmm. when he's walking Laura back to her house and she's like trying to get him to stay. He's like, oh, yeah. I got to get up in the morning. Got to got to got to work tomorrow. And it's like just obviously trying to get back to the club to go see Sophia. Yeah. But I also think that um, this is like this, like the dynamic between the two girls, like him going after a black girl and, and going after a white girl just p- feeds so much into his character arc. Yes. And sort of into the theme of like power dynamics mm-hmm. and almost as if it's like um, a projection for maybe a lot of black men because he says in the movie how um, I think it's like the quote, like the white men um, raped all of our, uh, all of the black women. And so we've taken back their grand prize, the white woman Mm. or something like that. And then you see him so enamored right away with Sophia. Yep. And when he goes back to Laura the next day, and I think it's the beach scene, which comes up pretty shortly after this and they're kissing. And then he just turns, rolls back over and says something doesn't feel right. Cause he's realizing that he wants that, that different color sort of to, I don't know, project like his pain that like almost as like a, in a revenge way. Yep. If you get what I mean. Yep. And so I thought that was, that was cool to establish where he's at, like as a character in the beginning of the movie and like about the first hour or so yep. very young, very a bit immature, not utilizing all of his potential. Well, he's only, you know. he's Denzel, I'm, Denzel's perfect for this role. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But he's at this time, he's supposed to, he's only 16 years old. I see. So yeah. Denzel doesn't quite look 16. So no. I, I only found this out afterwards that that's mm-hmm. how young Malcolm was during this part of this movie. Okay. It's not a big, it, it didn't bother me until after the fact that I learned that. Right. Cause then I was like, I'm like, ah, Denzel's too old to be playing 16. So I'm glad that it's not it's they never mention his age no. throughout the entire movie which is yeah. fine. I would have assumed he was like 21 22. Same. That's yeah. exactly what I thought. Yeah. But yeah, it's during this when he's when he meets Sophia, when he's at this club, he's 16 years old. He throughout the first chunk of this movie uh before he goes goes to jail, um he is just screaming Michael B Jordan <laughs> or even like a like a My- Michael B. Jordan or Jamie Foxx or Leslie Odom Jr. or mm-hmm. yeah, Leslie Odom Jr. Yeah, his name from Hamilton. Like yep. I think if this if this movie was remade for today's day and age, I think those would have been some good castings because that just his charisma and his charm, like it felt like if you took every single charismatic black actor from today's generation and put them into one actor into one performance, <laughs> it would be this. Then then you get you know? Denzel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so yeah, he's. He's so good in this in this movie. I fucking unbelievable. Probably would say Denzel might be the second best actor of the last 30 40 years. Second best of the last 30 40 years? Yeah. Number 1 is Daniel. Da- oh, yeah, by far. Yeah. Here, do you want me to pull up my list? Of the best actors? I've got best actors. I can give you my top 10. Okay. Of all time? Of all time. All time. All time. <laughs> well of yeah, your life time. of <laughs> let's say like 50s onward oh okay. 60s onward 60s onward all right interesting okay 20 or no 
We're going to go from 10. Top 10. Okay. Number 10, we have Tom Hanks. Okay. Number 9, Leonardo DiCaprio. Number 8, Jack Nicholson. Number 7, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Number 6, Dustin Hoffman. Number 5, Denzel Washington. Number 5. Number 4, Marlon Brando. Number 3, Al Pacino. And number 2, Robert De Niro. Number 1. Daniel Day Lewis. That's a good. That's a and good these list. are just male actors, obviously, because yeah. Meryl blows them all out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's the goat. Let's that's be real. She list. is the goat. That's a good list. I heard you sort of flutter a little bit when I put Leonardo DiCaprio above Tom Hanks. A little. Yeah. I'd have to seriously consider that. Yeah. And and Hoffman. Hoffman's high. Dustin or Philip? Philip. Really? Yeah, that's high. Ah, I, I love. I love him though. I love him too. Ty, Ty, yeah. I love him though. I'd have to really sit down. Yeah, and think you'd about have that. to consider it. But Denzel's up there. Don't get me wrong. That's good. Uh, so we learn about the murder of his father. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of his murder, sorry, his suicide by smashing in his own head in with a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> suicide by train. Yeah, we. He's taken. Uh, his family's broken apart yeah. because they deem his mother unfit to care for, I think, five children. Seven. Seven. Thank you. And he gets adopted. Is he adopted by that family? I Does think it's foster. Foster care? Yeah, foster care. Foster care. Mm-hmm. Foster care. Uh, but he, 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 I think he got lucky because it appears that he got pretty a pretty good education. Mm-hmm. The only thing... Uh, one of the things that he said, and I'm going to be substituting the N word for ninja. Ninja. When for uh, throughout okay. the thing, if you hear me say ninja, uh, it means something a lot more disturbing than that. Uh, yep. I I don't feel comfortable using that word, despite its uh, abundance of use in this film. Yeah, I still think that I should probably avoid using it. I would agree. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one quote he had in here: He was called ninja so much it didn't even bother him, and that is mm. sad. To think that yeah. that's was the norm, basically. Yeah. Um, his mom ends up losing her mind. She, we see a, a shot of her in probably a sanatorium of some sort or a mental institution. Yeah, yeah. See, this was one of the slight things that I had an issue with um, yep. with this movie was that the flashback scenes in the bi- in the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. felt rushed. They do, and very they felt rushed. very choppy in how they were edited into the film. It's like almost as if it wanted to speed right through it like it wanted to get past even though it's important for setting up the character of Malcolm X. I agree. I think I think that I think that was the case. I mm-hmm. think that Spike realized his the the he had to tell this part of Malcolm's story, but he wanted to do it as quickly as efficiently as possible, as possible because he didn't yeah. feel that it was worthy of taking up more time. Mm-hmm. So I don't obviously i was gonna say i'm like i don't think i could think of a solution if i could think of a solution i wouldn't be talking on a podcast i'd be a filmmaker (laughs) uh so but i agree it's it's one of the weaker one of the few weak points of this film is is the rush of the flashbacks of his parents yeah it can get someone a bit lost i think totally he i don't think they mentioned did they mention where he goes but this is where he goes into the club and he bumps into somebody this is where he ends up meeting um, West, the, the West Indian, West Indian Archie. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, that's, but he, is that the name of the character or the yeah. name of the group? No, that's the name of, of the character. Delroy uh, D- Lindo. Lindo. Yeah. yeah. West Indian Archie. Are you a Delroy Lindo fan? I am. Interesting. Because, yeah, for some reason I can't say that I am. Interesting. You didn't, I, you didn't like him in The Five Bloods? No, not really. I didn't oh, find him. That was my best performance extreme. of the year. Yes, I know that. But for some reason, I didn't find him. I mean, The Five Bloods, the Bloods, to be fair, I don't remember a lot of. It has been a while since yep. I watched it, and I guess I wasn't really in the right headspace for that movie at the time. Um, so I do want to rewatch it and see if I can get a, a better look at it. But, yeah, in this one in particular, I found, like, it's going to be odd to say or odd to word, but his voice was a bit, like, rumbly mm-hmm. and raspy and at times was a bit hard to understand that's fair and i thought i was like maybe he should be speaking up or maybe he should be changing but i just didn't i didn't find him captivating okay. in this movie until later on when he goes back to him and it's his second scene or like towards the second half of the movie yep i think he's great in that scene i it's agree this scene when they first meet him. I had to. I even had to re- rewind a little bit, like just to make sure I didn't like miss a couple yep, lines. That's fair. And are these? So are these guys like the mob or the mafia? They are. I didn't exactly catch that. They either. are. They are gangsters. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um. He, uh, West Indian Archie gets him a new suit. He gives Malcolm his first gun, and um, starts to become a father figure to him. They start to run numbers. Mm-hmm. They start to get into some drugs. Yep. And this is where the follow begins because while both of them are in a heightened state, Malcolm pays him to play some numbers. And West Indian Archie doesn't write anything down, so he'll never get caught. Great advice. Mm. But he seems to forget later on that Malcolm did play these numbers, and it becomes a, a bone of contention later on. Yes. He uh, goes to Paradise, which is that club. Yeah. He sees Laura again. Great way, great establishing shot. Yeah. It, how it pops up with the sign of the club and then swings down for, for the close-up of Malcolm walking in. I was yep. just like, oh, so good. Because <laughs> he establishes, he does the two things that you need to do right away in any scene establish location and establish character but he likes to do it in one foul swoop yep and flex those cinematic muscles oh, i love it she's got a junkie boyfriend and then malcolm asks you know has she started to be has she started to hook yet and it sounds like she's on the path to be becoming a hooker which we find out later she mm-hmm. is and this is where we get the run in with archie where he tells him he hit the number, Archie says he didn't, and Archie pays him at the cost of their friendship. Mm-hmm. He finds Malcolm at a club, brings his friends, is going to kill him. Malcolm makes a run for it, leaves the city, and. Returns to Boston mm-hmm. and turns to a life of even more crime. Yep. Hooks back up with Shorty, played by Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. And uh, we meet um, Roger Smith's character, Rudy. This is the Russian roulette scene. Oh, yes. Holy 
fuck, this scene is wild. <laughs> you should have seen God Wes's damn. face light up here. Oh, I, I couldn't remember who Rudy was right yeah. away. I'm so terrible with character names. All movies. good. That's what I'm here for. But, oh, yeah, damn, that was that scene ever tense. Yes. Oh, and once again, Denzel Washington just playing this role to perfection. Yep. It's so... It's so interesting to me. It would have been fun to have watched your... Because going into this, you had little knowledge of Malcolm X. Correct. So seeing... Kind of being fresh-faced or unknowing where he ends up, seeing this mm-hmm. transformation just must have been yeah, fascinating. Oh, it's wild. Because at this point, like, they establish him as a pretty shitty dude like he's extremely misogynistic uh he does drugs he's a criminal he's like he does a lot of fucked up shit yeah and you know but that's like where we get to see him grow and change yeah a good way i was i was watching a couple reviews um of this movie on Mm -hmm. youtube and a really good line that i saw was uh this is a rags to riches story but instead of it being about wealth it's about being wisdom and becoming a more complete man oh that's that's beautiful yeah and i was like that i think perfectly sums up and that's kind of the first stage that we see malcolm in for the first hour is like he's you know we we recognize that he's very intelligent because we see him in uh the school yep um and where he tells the teacher that he wants to be a doctor and then lawyer or, yeah, sorry, yep. lawyer. But then uh, he says, well, ninjas can't be lawyers. Why don't you get a regular job like a carpenter? A carpenter? Is that yeah. what you, I was going to say clerk, but I was like, that doesn't. Carpenter. Because Jesus but, was yeah. a carpenter. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, um, I th- and then, like, it establishes that he's clearly intelligent and has potential, but this is now being, like, seated in him at a very young age that oh no you have to go down this path you can't grow up to have this job you have to live a certain way and we sort of see him like bending to the mold in the first beginning of this movie because he's just doing he's doing everything that uh you'd expect someone like him to do or someone that grew up yeah you know he's basically he's living into the stereotype exactly for the beginning of this movie and that's what i think a lot of this is about is breaking that societal mold yep. saying no you don't have to live a certain way and which is why i think it could be applicable to like today's 100 you know and also the, the fact that you mentioned jesus as a carpenter i like that it sort of establishes early on throughout the movie especially once he gets to jail and um starts preaching to him about uh, christianity it establishes early on the, like his reasonings for why he turns away from christianity and yep. turns more towards islam is because the all the christian preaching that he's heard up until this point has been from white men yep and he ain't about that nope. <laughs> to put it lightly so nope. it's you know i like that it sets that up from the beginning uh they break into a house mm-hmm. they are caught with it great lighting in this scene yeah uh, in the lighting. house break yeah yeah Holy yeah the, I love when they get busted because he's putting I, – again, I think it's called a gonk. I can't remember the, the hair stuff. Oh, yeah. But the, there's no working water in the house. 
so he has to oh, wash shit. off in the toilet. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I found a little nugget of information that I think you're gonna like. Mm-hmm. So they're in front of, uh, they go, they, they're on court and they're in front of a judge. Um, yep. The person playing that judge is William Kunstler. William Kunstler. Now, do you remember the movie The Trial of the Chicago Seven? I do. Yes. Do you remember the lawyer that was played by the lawyer representing the Chicago Seven? Uh, what's what's the actor's name that that was playing him? He was uh, he won the Oscar for Bridge of Spies and he was in Dunkirk. I can see his face. Everything that's gonna that's just gonna bug me. Um, I have to pull that up. Mark, no. Uh, shit. Mark Rylance. Oh, yes. Okay. Mark Rylance. Mm-hmm. The character that Mark Rylance was playing in Charles Chicago 7, yeah. that's him. He was the judge. That he's what? playing William Kunstler. It's the same one. The guy, the, the person that Mark Rylance was portraying yeah. is William Kunstler. William Kunstler is the guy, is the, is the person playing yeah. the judge. In, in oh. Malcolm X. So the actual person that Mark Rylance was playing is the person playing the judge in this scene. Oh, okay. Okay, so he is the actor. Yes. Oh, okay. So William Kunstler. Oh, what? Yeah. So William Kunstler, the man that Mark Rylance plays in the trial of Chicago 7, who represented the Chicago 7, he is the person playing the judge. So he's a lawyer and an actor. Yes. Okay. Not really. He was just asked to do this. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Um. This also gives us another a, a tiny little comedic moment when uh, the girls get two years for the thing and they get uh, eight to ten, 14 counts of eight to ten years. And Shorty thinks that they are <laughs> they run consecutively, not concurrently. Yeah. He didn't understand the difference, and he faints. Uh, oh. Apparently that is real. That really happened. Really? Like yes. Shorty fainted? Shorty fainted, yeah. yeah. And it's also very real about um, how the two white girls got super low. Uh, I, th- I thought in real life they got off. Of the robbery, no, they got they, they 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 served a little bit of time. They did serve some time. Yeah, yeah, not very much though. Not nearly as much as they should have. No, this is kind of the end of what you said. The first act, mm-hmm. we see Malcolm Little and his life of crime going down sadly a stereotypical path uh, of a young uh, poor black man. Yeah, goes into prison, forgets his prison number. Gets roughed up, yep. thrown in the hole, rejects Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, I, I completely, yep. what the fuck is Christopher Plummer doing in this movie in a nothing role? <laughs> Hilarious. Um, Wait, Christopher Plummer's playing the, the preacher? Yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't even <laughs> notice that. He didn't. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's the guy that uh, he gets into uh, oh, the debate in late, uh, near the end about, yeah. about Jesus not being white. Yeah. But yeah, is this that's, that's Christopher Plummer. He, he's like, tell Jesus to kiss my ass. Yep. Oh, when he's I in the hole. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that lighting when he's thrown in yes. the cell, unbelievable to show that he's in like a period of darkness. Yes. Like simply put and that there's the light is slowly fading away. Yep. But yeah. Oh. Uh, this is where he meets Baines. Now this is one of the this is basically the big major difference between mm-hmm. uh, Malcolm X's real life and this movie yes. is that Baines is a composite character. 
he's a which sorry? composite character bane's doesn't exist in yeah real life. That, okay that's what he's a, he's an amalgamation he's, of a bunch of people that's what I, yeah he's a collection of a bunch of people that influence malcolm x's life correct? yeah gotcha. uh so he wants to show him a way out and mm-hmm. malcolm thinks that this is some type of hustle he thinks if he joins islam he's gonna live in, he's like oh do i get like religious freedom or something like that he's like no he's like i'm here to free your mind Fine. and your soul yeah. not your body and he sees Malcolm as someone special. He recognized something, recognized an intelligence, and he then calls him out for being ashamed of being black. He makes fun of him for what he does with his hair. Yeah. He's like, you're trying to be white. You should be proud to be black. And he starts to talk to him about Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. Malcolm starts to incorporate the ideas of being a Muslim and he's taught to respect his body and mind and he starts to open his mind to other possibilities that perhaps the being a muslim and being a member of the nation of islam is something that could end up benefiting him Mm -hmm. and we get to an incredible scene where they look up the definition of white and black in the dictionary an absolutely powerful moment yeah Heartbreaking, yeah, but powerful. <laughs> yeah. As we see the definition for white being pure and clean and bright, yep, and black being the opposite of all that, yep. and then they scroll to see who the author of the said dictionary is, and it's well, what do you know, an old white man from yep. the who knows the seventeen hundreds, eighteen hundreds, yeah, a long time ago. He Baines tells him to start to use words against the white people use their own language against them Mm -hmm. and he tells them to read the dictionary to learn you know the more knowledge you have about the language you speak the better equipped you are to use it to get to the 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 result that you want yeah and when you can speak well and you speak eloquently people are going to listen and I remember a couple of my friends after watching this movie tried to read the, read dictionary. the dictionary. Yeah, they didn't get very didn't far. Last long. They didn't get very far. They did, they didn't have the discipline yeah. to do it. Not particularly a thrilling read. I've no, heard. no. I I I remember wanting to try mm-hmm. to to not because of this movie. This would have been much later in my life. I was like, maybe I should read the dictionary. I got maybe a page. I'm like, I'm not doing this. This is. Yeah. I do I do something close. I have a new words list. Oh, that's so any new word that I read or hear in a movie or hear in a TV show, I add it onto my master list on my laptop. That's fantastic. Great idea. I love that. I have this in here because it's special to me. There's a scene that mentions mm-hmm. Jackie Robinson. Yep. And, and Malcolm is absolutely astounded yes. that a black man is making it to the MLB. Yep. And Baines says that's a bunch of bullshit. Mm-hmm. They give us one little morsel, and that's supposed to make up for 400 years of oppression. I was like, you're a jerk. <laughs> Way to wreck my favorite thing in history. Uh, but he's not wrong. Uh, the things that Bane says are actually true, and mm-hmm. it's uh, very enlightening when you start to look at it from that type of perspective. Uh, while the inclusion of Jackie Robinson into Major League Baseball did help facilitate and move along the civil rights movement. Uh, he was the first then. Yeah. Like the first African-American player. He was the first one after 
they there was black players like at the turn of the century like yeah. in the late 1800s okay late yeah late 1800s uh and then white baseball was like no 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 well that's a, that's actually a very interesting time period in u.s history in general like mm-hmm. the reconstruction era yep is what it's called like so i think it's like post civil war pre-world war one yep in that little era and that was when um like the rights for black people like hadn't really been established yet because yep. the 13th amendment had just passed and yep. so they were just now considered citizens so you actually saw an uptick in uh like african americans running for congress um and running for government positions running for community leadership positions and you know what changed it all the release of the birth of a nation <laughs> which oh, re reignited the Ku Klux Klan and black people's rights, obviously, and unfortunately went down the drain. But if you look it up, if you see the statistics of um, like government officials and government and political candidates mm-hmm. that were African American, uh, but I think like the '90s and 2000s is on edge with like the '90s and 2000s of the you know the 1800s and 1900s. Interesting. Yeah. Wicked. Uh, yeah, it's a very it's it's a very um like under the rug period of history that yep. not many people pay a lot of mind to. But I definitely well I definitely don't to that. I know some stuff of the baseball history because I'm stupid mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, Jackie Robinson was the first person I think in about fifty or fifty years or so to a uh, first African American to play. Wow. And so his inclusion did help move the civil rights movement forward. Mm-hmm. Um. But obviously, if you're a black man looking at it from a, hmm, a much more cynical eye, you can see yeah. why this shouldn't really be that celebrated. No. And that's exactly what Baines is saying. Um, he begins to tell Malcolm that he is nothing. He's less than nothing. And he wants Malcolm to discover who he is. He's not Malcolm Little anymore. That's his slave name. Now takes Malcolm X, which represents the unknown. Yeah, he starts to introduce Malcolm about Elijah Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Um, Elijah Muhammad says that all white men are devils, and Malcolm mm-hmm. at first is a little resistant to the idea. He's like, "No, I've met some nice people." He's like, "No, you haven't. <laughs> nope, no such thing. Nope, all white Don't men exist. are devils." Yep. Um, I am literally the embodiment of Satan. Yes, sitting right here. Yes. I'm not. <laughs> Only half of Only half. Only, Only half. half Satan. Only half Satan. They <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't ever mention anything about my other half in this movie. No. I wonder what the nation of like what is the nation of Islam? What's their stance on like Asians? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question actually. I literally have never thought of that until right now. <laughs> yeah, cuz they only see the yin and yang. Yeah. Sort of the black and white, but Interesting. Yeah, I'm going to look into that. Yeah. Uh he is told to swear off drugs, alcohol, yeah. pork, and women. And well, I've, I've already sworn off two of those, so I don't. I couldn't give up pork, and I couldn't give up women. <laughs> couldn't do it. No, no, not a chance. Not a chance. Uh, he starts to become uh, Islamic. Yeah. The one thing is that he won't bend the knee and submit, and that's. Mm. 
we get a good scene basically right after this. He's in his cell, and he sees the vision of uh, Elijah Muhammad in his cell. And Malcolm has sworn it's not a dream. He actually saw the Prophet Muhammad, and he will now bend the knee and submit. Do you think he doesn't want to um, kneel because he feels like locked in his former life? I think he doesn't want to submit because he's a strong man, strong-willed. Yeah, and you, you, they definitely establish that strong willingness when he gets beat up when he first gets when he forgets the, um, the his jail prison cell number. number. Yeah, his prison number. You can clearly tell that he just doesn't want to buckle. Nope. To these guys. Nope. And this is. Yeah. This is where he wants to submit, and there's some really great choices that Denzel makes later on that shows how much he's willing to submit. Mm -hmm. It's actually coming up here pretty quick. Um, he gets his head shaved. Mm -hmm. uh, he writes letters to Shorty and to Archie. Yep. Uh, he has now uh, accepted himself into the Nation of Islam. So and now we're finally starting to see Malcolm transition into the second phase yep. of his life because that's really what the movie does is it breaks down malcolm x's life into three phases yes and this is the second one beginning yep we see like you said he's memorizing the dictionary he's getting more disciplined he's yeah he's just completely changing the way that he lives his life yeah he goes to chapel and wants to debate uh, Christopher Plummer's character about the color of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he uses facts and yep. Bible quotes to prove that Jesus was not white. So <laughs> this is now common knowledge, yes. I would hope, in 2022. But like at the time in the 90s, was that still very much that the Jesus was white? That Jesus oh, was white? Hell yeah. This was, around, this was around the time, like even though... When this is going on, movie, this would have been in the late 50s, early 60s, probably, mm -hmm. roughly. Yep. 40s, 50s, 60s. Yeah, yeah. it covers those three decades. I'm yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think of when he got out of jail, I think maybe in the late 50s. 50s, or, yeah. Yeah. So even though this was going on, it was in the 90s when people were starting to – Sad as it was, that's when people, at least I remember it. So remember when this came out, I was only 17, mm -hmm. 16 or 17. So I, I didn't have a world knowledge, but like I thought Jesus was like growing up. And then it was around here in the 90s, not not because of this film, but because of the, because of, like I said, the rise in black culture yeah. that these questions yeah, a or couple these things didn't add up. You're like, oh, say. oh, hmm. you're like. Cause you, yeah. I wouldn't like I wouldn't thought of it. Jesus was white. I see. Yeah, there's right? Jesus. He's white, but yeah, you're like he grew up in Jerusalem. There's yeah. no white people in Jerusalem. No. I'm like, oh, you're right. There is a okay. <laughs> he wasn't white. Yeah. It was. It wasn't hard. Like, full disclosure, I'm not religious. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not okay. anti-religious. Mm -hmm. I just I don't have any beliefs. Fair I don't know. I think like that's agnostic. an atheist. Agnostic. It's like a atheist is when you're 100 percent sure. That there isn't a god or isn't anything out there, like you're certain, but agnostic okay. is when you don't necessarily know. You're still a bit open-minded. Oh, I'm an atheist. You, know? you are an atheist. Yeah, I do not okay. believe in God. You but know, through and through. Through and through, I have zero doubt in my mind that there is no God. But that being there said, I do not. I don't disparage those who believe mm -hmm. in it. If they want to, if they want to talk to me about it, I'm open to them talking about. It. They will not convince me. 
Yeah. They will not convince me, but I will not belittle them for their beliefs. For sure. I um, if believing in God makes you feel safe, gives you a sense of community, gives you a sense of purpose, purpose. in life. Mm-hmm. I am so happy for you. Just don't try to convince so project, me. Project it on. Yeah. The, don't try to convince yeah. me of your beliefs. I'm not going to push my lack of beliefs onto somebody else. I'm not going to. I'm exactly. not going to. I'm not going to do what Malcolm did to the to the minister to the <laughs> to Christopher Plummer. I'm not going to throw shit at you to prove that God doesn't exist. Yeah. It's not my thing. I just choose not to believe. You choose to believe. Exactly. I'm proud of you. The beauty of a free country. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, I live in one. <laughs> um. He – a very enjoyable scene of him and Christopher Plummer having a, a very lively debate about uh, mm-hmm. about the color of Jesus. But Malcolm gets out, and he meets Muhammad. And this is an incredible scene, an incredible performance from Denzel. He's so humbled to meet the prophet. Yeah. And one of the things I love, if you notice, is that – Denzel is hunched over in the scene. Yeah. He doesn't want to appear taller than the prophet. Oh. Every scene he's in with Elijah Muhammad, he tries to be lower than him. Because he Because Elijah Muhammad is the, is the prophet. Because he's above. Yeah. He considers him above. So if you if you ever watch it again, is you can see Denzel hunches a little bit every time Elijah's around. The scene that they first meet, is this the scene where um he uh then their Malcolm starts to break down yep, crying. Yep, it's the exact scene. Yeah, it's almost like he seems um, like nervous to yeah. present himself. Yeah, because he's almost ashamed of his past and guilty of his past. Yep. And this scene, I, I would say, is like the, the, like the finite point of okay, we're in the second half now. Yep. Or we're in the second portion of the, the middle portion of the movie. And this is where we get. Scene after scene of Denzel fucking killing it with, with the, the street speeches. preaching. Yep. I also love how um, the camera moves throughout the crowd. and does The first the- one where you see all three with Denzel, Denzel speaking, the other guy speaking yeah. Christianity, and I think there's another guy speaking about black rights. Which I'm – if I'm not mistaken – that was a guy from the 90s, actually. Yeah, it and is. Spike, oh. And so Spike Lee did that to obviously, once again, show that the problems were still being faced. The same problems were still being faced in the 90s that were in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. I can... Fuck. You I can, can find out who it I, is. Yeah, the thing is, I can see his face, and yeah. I know he's a famous um, black activist. From the 90s? Yep. He's okay. Actually, as I'm, I'm almost positive he's still doing it. Let me see if I can quickly find his name. Uh, no, can't find it. I don't want to spend too much time looking for one guy's name. Nope. John David Washington? Oh, nice. Is credited? Yeah, he was a kid. Isn't he Fickner? Oh, right. He doesn't. He didn't get to see him. What the fuck? There's this cast list is yeah. just ridiculous. Well, when you Al do Sharpton, it, fuck, Al finally, Sharpton. 
God damn it. Oh, right. That was the other one. Okay. So the first guy we see mm-hmm. is Bobby Seal. Okay. Bobby Seal is the person that founded the Black Panthers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then so the second guy we see, that's Al Sharpton, the Reverend Al Sharpton. God yeah. damn it. That was going to bug me. Thank God. I. Sorry for the, the, it's okay. the shit. <laughs> the shit there. Um, but yeah, that's a great, a great 360 degree yes. shot, which a 360 degree shot is fucking impossible because the sound crew, everyone has to be stay behind yeah, the camera. It doesn't make any sense. It's fucking hard it's to wild. do. Yeah. It makes you wonder how they would like, do you think there's any hidden edits or hidden cuts in there? Or? No, no. I think what they yeah. did is they just completely minimized. They just had the, the camera operator probably spike. And the sound crew, yeah, and then the lighting crew, and that's it. And they just walk the lighting crew walking with their <laughs> with their big old yeah. Um, we see just great speech after speech in here, uh, so ambushing people outside church, uh, yeah. recruiting people to Islam. He preaches to the women who are waiting for a job. I love that they. They show that he gets through to one person, the one mm-hmm. lady that he's talking to, uh, among his one getting hired. They cut to you see her, kind of considers it, and then it's a cut right to Temple, and she's the one that the camera starts on. Oh, so he's convinced one person to come to uh, to Temple, to join the join yeah. the nation. Uh, then he starts to preach at the Temple, and this is where he sees Shorty in the back. And oh yes, Shorty thinks that this is some type of scam, as he should. Yeah. Um, but Malcolm says that's not the case. Mm-hmm. I I found a new way. Uh, Shorty offers him a couple vices. You know, he's like, we should yeah. go take a bump or something. I think he says something and like he that. He says, "I'm six months clean." Yeah, and uh, they find out, or I can't remember who tells who, but Sophia is now married. Uh, we get a quick cut of her uh, s- serving uh, dinner to her husband and mm-hmm. looking quite bored. <laughs> uh, Picked the wrong guy. Yeah. Um, th- and this is uh, this leads into the scene you mentioned earlier. Malcolm goes to see Archie, West Indian Archie, and this is after yes. he's what we can assume he's had a heart attack because mm-hmm. uh, one side seems to be a, a little bit. Uh, this is where Del Lindo is really, Very really good. Very good. Yeah. Because you can tell he's just playing – sort a broken shell of what the of his former self of yep. what the what's the it's the character's name again west what? indian archie archie yeah. yeah archie yeah uh he still wants to know if malcolm did have the number which is uh amusing to me <laughs> uh, we get uh another shot of denzel preaching at temple this time it's a full house uh and he's starting to promote more uh black pride he wants uh-huh. people to stand up for themselves. He feels that the only way the African uh, Americans are going to get any justice is if they start to stand up for themselves. They don't. He doesn't want them to be meek. He doesn't believe that. He's basically the and almost the antithesis to Martin Luther King. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and that's why one of the reasons. <laughs> such a nerd. One of the reasons that I know about. Malcolm X and Martin Luther King mm-hmm. is that growing up, I read X-Men comics and okay. they always compared professor X to Martin Luther King and Magneto to Malcolm X. Interesting. That was the way that they always, because well, is that's what the X-Men is all about. Really? Isn't it's all an allegory. Like mutants are meant to be minorities yep. or 
you know, people of color per se, whatever you want to fill in there. Whatever, whatever minority yeah. group you want to be a part of, you can find your connection in with the X-Men. It yeah. was one of the reasons like, cause I like for the listeners, in case I don't know, I am half first nations mm-hmm. or half uh, indigenous, however you want to call it. So growing up, I, but I don't look it. I kind of, whenever somebody sees me, they think I'm Mexican or Spanish, Yeah. but I am a visible minority. Uh, and so thankfully growing up, I actually didn't have to deal with a lot of racism. All the white people I grew up were very, very nice to me. There was no white devils, (laughs) no white devils amongst the people that I grew up with, but I still knew that I was different from everybody else. And reading the X-Men comics gave me a sense of belonging. Yeah. So it's one of the reasons that they mean so much to me. Hence the reason I hate the movies so much because they're (laughs) not, they they fucking suck. Um, entertaining. They were fine but they did not capture the true meaning of the X-Men franchise. Anyways, uh, so that's that was one of the reasons that I kind of had more of a, a a little bit more knowledge of, of, of Malcolm X. Um, yeah. And Martin Luther. And Martin Luther. Which makes sense. But yeah, you they really are like the two, like the A and B that you can get in terms of like civil rights movement figures and yep. also philosophies. You know, Martin Luther King was all all about harmony and living in peace and coming together and unity. And Malcolm X, at this stage of his journey and at this stage, while he's a part of the Nation of Islam, believes in, you know, division and hatred. And I hate to slay it, but racism, you know, it is. It is. It's yeah. Outright. Just, yeah. You know. Which is, which is cool. Why we get to see him transition out of that yep. later in the movie, but obviously yep. we'll get to it. And for, you know, like if you were African American growing up, uh, growing up in the states in the forties and fifties and sixties, yeah. how could you not be right? Right? Like he you... has. Uh, I, mean, I don't want to say he has every right to be, but he has every reason to be. Yes. Like to feel that way, just because yeah. of everything that they've that he's gone through right uh, it's uh, that's that's 60 years ago like that's so sad like we were treating other human not that it's much better now it is no. better now but the this uh, yeah it's disgusting disgusting it really is <sighs> uh, this is where malcolm meets betty he is introduced to uh, her uh, through Baines. Sister Betty. The absolutely amazing Angela Bessette. Oh, yeah. Uh, they go for lunch. Um, he starts talking about Elijah Muhammad, uh, who teaches a very uh, misogynistic idea mm-hmm. of men and women. I love that Betty doesn't bend to it while she is no. a proud member of the Nation of Islam. She is kind of almost kind of fighting her own fight mm-hmm. um, without being overly confrontational, being very pragmatic and to the point and stern in her beliefs. Mm-hmm. And I love her for it. And in all honesty, it would take an actress as powerful as Angela Bassett or Viola Davis mm-hmm. to ro- play this role. Any other. And all honesty, any other black actress in this role, and you're just thinking Denzel could walk all over you. But what else is Angela Bassett in? 
have you seen What's Love Got to Do with It? She was nominated for her role. It's the life story of Tina Turner. Oh, wow. I think she should have won the Oscar. She didn't, but I think she should have. 93? 93, yep. I think she should have won the Oscar. She plays Black Panther's mom in Black Panther. Oh, no way. Yeah. Nice. She's got a really great movie um, called uh, How Stellar Got Her Groove Back. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very, very, again, a very sex-positive film for women. It's about an older woman who goes and takes a very young lover while she's on vacation. That's how she gets her groove back. <laughs> um, and then, can I think of anything else off the top of my, top of my head? Uh, she's played, she's she's had some other roles, but those are the ones that stick out for me. I'm probably definitely missing some, some major ones, but mm-hmm. uh, I truly think she should have won the Oscar in 1993 for uh, for What's Love Got to Do With It. But yeah. she was black, so. <laughs> and back then? Yeah. It just didn't work out. Too bad, so sad. Uh, they, I easily think that Malcolm and Sister Betty have the best chemistry in oh, the yeah. movie. But out yeah. of any any of the other women that he's with in the in the whole movie. Yeah. This is the one. I agree. They um the next scene is one of my favorite in the film mm-hmm. and this is where uh one of the members has been uh, quote unquote arrested. Mm-hmm. Taking the precinct he goes to the police department with <laughs> more confidence than I think I've ever seen anybody walk into a police department. And from everything I've heard, pretty much everything about this entire scene is true mm-hmm. and really happened. And that boggles wow. my mind. He demands that the police allow him to see uh, I think it's Brother Johnson, mm-hmm. and won't take no for an answer. No. And a black man in the '60s in a police station—it's such a powerful moment. It, it and really is. What I love is that Denzel really perfectly portrays the power mm-hmm. and oh strength of this the- man. There, do you know the I, – I can't remember if it's before they – no, because we don't see them, the Nation of Islam line up. No. Until we, we see that when he looks out the window. He right? tells so him that you should look out the window. After they go outside, there's a shot – There's I think it's a medium shot of Denzel standing in between two of the brothers of Islam. Mm-hmm. And he just – you see it, see him, see his back, and then he slowly turns around and faces the camera, and just looks so menacing, yes, and intimidating. Yeah, like he just plays it so perfectly in the scene. I also love the build up to this scene because it's another sidewalk moment yeah. of them walking up, them walking up to the precinct, mm-hmm. right, and instead of him using like a tracking shot of the sidewalk that he does in the beginning to sort of set up the location set up where they're at he does a lot of quick edits between of like close-up of their feet or of the buildings and and the music's really loud and it's going back and forth so it's like a great use of editing to build tension yep instead of letting the camera roll which would i guess ease us into it a bit more you know the quick the quick pace editing is always usually a sign that things are heating up yep they I love he they are checking the book for the name and Malcolm sees it and stops them 
points right there that there he is. Mm-hmm. Then gets to go see him. Uh, he is in rough shape. They tell him they have to take him to the hospital. The entire nation, mm-hmm. while there is uh, members of the Nation of Islam, there are a bunch of brothers outside. There's also a large crowd, not yeah. not Muslim, just a bunch, a very large uh, gathering of uh, angry African Americans. Yep. They march to the hospital. It's a powerful scene. That's the scene that I'm talking about. Then, of the march to the hospital. It must be the march to the hospital with all the quick edits. Yep. Yeah. And they arrive at the hospital. I love that the Muslims are just standing tall and proud. They are not moving, yeah. but you can see the crowd behind them in a frenzy. Yeah. But it's because the nation of Islam is so organized yep. and well put together, which is something that's never really been seen before yep. by the police. And I think what is what intimidates them the most, like when all he does to disperse the crowd is that fucking hand. hand movement oh it just shows unbelievable yeah it just show, shows the cop kind of who's the boss here yep who has who's in control and that sound design of the leather the closing of the yeah. hand you can hear the, the crinkle of the leather and then the turn of the hand to point for them to leave Un- unbelievable fucking believable yeah yeah and it i think as Malcolm walks away. You even hear the cops say he's like, that's too much power for yeah, one man. For have. one man. And he doesn't even say it has nothing to do with color. Man. He just says, man, that's too much power for one man to have. Mm-hmm. And he's not wrong. Uh, this is where during this scene, we are getting there's some quick edits to a young black man that is watching all of this transpire. And that young man comes to see Malcolm shortly after this. It's mm. the same. It's still the same night, and he wants to join the Nation of Islam. He wants to join. He wants to become a Muslim, but he doesn't even know what it means to be a Muslim. Mm. And Malcolm tells him, "You shouldn't join any of our organization that you don't know anything about." And it's incredible advice. Yeah. And so he preaches for him to do his own research and to not give up. And if this is what he truly wants, then the nation will accept him. But he tells, he doesn't say, he's not just taking in anybody who wants to come in. He wants to make sure these people are educated and know what they're getting and into. And honest and yeah. disciplined. Yeah. And it's, it's a great scene. Uh, we learn uh, Elijah Muhammad wants Malcolm to be his national minister. And we can see that this honor bestowed upon him humbles him again, yep. yet again. And he calls Betty, proposes over the phone. Maybe the most unromantic proposal yeah. I've ever seen. Uh, actually, not true. The most unromantic proposal I've ever seen was in a movie called Howard's End. Oh, yeah. is it? It's worse than this. Yeah. Yikes. This is very romantic, I guess, for Muslims. Uh, over the phone, who knows? But mm-hmm. it was. It's still. It's still kind of cute. But uh, doesn't seem like a very Denzel esque fashion. No. To propose to someone. But uh, she does say yes. We get. Uh, another uh, Malcolm preaching to a crowd. Denzel's just magnificent doing this. It is just a sight to behold. It gives me instant uh, flashbacks. Well, I guess not flashbacks because this movie came out recently, mm-hmm. but uh, it reminds me so much of Judas and the Black Messiah. Yes, and his speeches where he riles. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if they took a lot of inspiration from the speeches given in this movie yep it would just it would make a lot of sense but that was instantly what i thought of um malcolm goes on tv 
Um, he starts to mm-hmm. talk about he has that great um, speech about the difference between a house Negro and a field Negro. And um, this is where we start to get the portrayal from Baines, who is starting to sow seeds of doubt into Elijah about Malcolm, mm. saying that some of the other ministers think that Malcolm's getting a little too big for his britches. Gaining and a bit too much power. Yeah, and stuff like that. And it's uh, it's so unfortunate because where we end up going, uh, Malcolm could have done a lot yep. for uh, for his people. Yep. He goes to speak at a university, which I think is Harvard, and we get really? I think it's Harvard. Okay. Yeah. Uh he's approached by a white student who <laughs> wants to help. <laughs> and she comes up and basically is basically playing the majority of white people uh today. Today. Yeah. And they want she wants to know how someone who is not racist, who is Wants to help in any way possible. What can I do to help your people? And he goes, nothing. nothing. <laughs> and Absolutely walks, nothing. And walks away. And the look of defeat on her face is priceless. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so horrible. Um, he starts to talk about the race problems, the hypocrisy of politicians. Um, everything that Malcolm is saying still resonates today. It seemed like there was... Um, a couple shots at Martin Luther King. Yes, because he yep. talks about the, uh, the the incompetence of black leadership. Yep, and how they need to step up and do more. I was like, mm, I think uh, I think he's poking a few buttons there. Oh, he hundred percent is. Yeah, which again we learn later on that he uh, regrets mm-hmm. saying, but he was he was deep in the in the nation of Islam. Yeah, uh, Islam wants separation, not integration. They, uh, he is confronted by someone uh, accusing him of being Elijah's pimp. <laughs> this is where we get the first rumors that maybe Elijah Muhammad isn't quite what he says he is, yeah. which is usually the case when somebody's a cult leader. Not yep. saying mm, cult. <laughs> the That's leader. Definitely what they make him look like. Yeah, they don't they do. make him look like he's uh, like they make him out to be like a bit of a kook. In this movie, no, like a bit, a bit crazy. Yeah, you know? I think it's well. I think if you are, oh, I hate to say it, if you are someone claiming to be a prophet, and you get a sizable amount of people that believe you, and start to, for lack of a better word, worship you, praise you, yeah, that's gotta be that's difficult to maintain your own level of reality and sanity yeah right because you'd be you'd rise your or lift yourself up to such a big pedestal yeah yeah right um this is where betty confronts malcolm um mm-hmm. she tells him that she, i think she mentions that she talked to two women who are accusing elijah of impregnating them uh and uh Malcolm will have none of it. And it's not hard to understand why. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nation of Islam literally has saved his life. Yeah. But now he's being asked to hear someone call out his God? His, yeah. his spiritual his, leader? 
his salvation and yeah. say that they're a hypocrite like that i i couldn't i couldn't even imagine no. hearing someone telling me that this person is responsible for saving my life and i'm and i got to hear these shitty things about them that would yeah. be difficult so to malcolm he's pretty much perfect yes. like he looks on him with such rose rose gold colored glasses right yep yep um she warns him that uh, she's heard you know baines is stabbing him in the back again malcolm will have none of it uh this scene um bassett and denzel are amazing bouncing off one another um betty wants to know why is baines so rich and they have so little the she doubts the nation of islam will support them if something happens to malcolm because malcolm says you don't have to worry if something happens to me the nation will take care of you and she's like i don't think they will i don't think they will i don't think they give a fuck yep she's trying to warn him that the nation is scheming behind his back and again he's just having none of it yeah. again if you learn one thing listen to your wife <laughs> i speak from experience sadly they know a lot more than us men are dumb yep <laughs> this is very true. This, so, I thought the score during this argument scene yeah. was pretty fucking spectacular. And how it rises as he as he slams the paper down and yep. it pretty much crescendos. And then uh it also switches the camera angle to handheld yep. as they rush into the kitchen with a bit of like a shaky camera lens showing that it's a very sort of raw moment, a mm -hmm. very intimate Yep. An honest moment between yeah. these two characters. Yep. They Malcolm goes to see the women that Elijah got pregnant. Um, they both say that Elijah talked about Malcolm behind his back. Um, mm -hmm. He then confronts Baines, and Baines threatens him. And he goes to talk to Elijah. Um, Elijah basically says that he must plant his seed in fertile soil. He basically blames his horniness on prophecy. Yep. That must be nice. I can I could I can have sex with whoever I want because I am the prophet because and I have to spread my are, seed. You are the god. Yeah. This is uh This well, I hundred percent this happened before you're born. Did you ever hear of the uh the Branch Davidians in Waco, Texas? Mm, it rings a bell, but no, I can't say how. Okay, so I'll, I'll say this quickly, but there was a guy, his name was, I think his name was David Branch. Okay. And he started a cult. He claimed to be a prophet. He got some followers. They built this commune in Waco, Texas. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the inciting incident that caused the FBI to come there, but they did. Um, I do know that uh, David Branch was... As he claimed to be a prophet, he would sleep with all of his female followers as Ooh. part of his, as part of his prophecy. Like even if they even if they were married, he's like, "I am a prophet. You have to sleep you with have me." To. He was That's... not. He was he. Elijah Muhammad. A lot of his teachings were are are great and mm -hmm. help move along um, uh, African Americans. The Branch Davidians were a cult. They were just they were through and through through and through cult. No doubt. What ended up happening? There, there is, there's a TV series. There's mm -hmm. numerous documentaries. It's worth looking into. I was, this was mid '90s, so it was big on the news. So I while was, it was happening. While it was happening, 90s? I was following oh, it because the stand. I think the standoff lasted for about ten days between the FBI mm -hmm. and the Branch Davidians. The Branch Davidians were heavily armed. It's Texas. 
right? Makes so, of sense. course, they were armed. Uh, but what ended up happening, I can't remember how it started, but a, f- a fire broke out mm-hmm. and killed, like, 80 of the Branch Davidians. They were oh. trapped inside. The, they're trapped inside. They burned to death. And That's I think horrible. a couple FBI, there was some shootouts. A couple shootouts happened mm-hmm. prior to the fire. A couple FBI agents were killed. It was a, it was a big thing. But uh, anytime I, th- I think of a, a prophet who says that he must spread his seed, I always think, always of, think, of, I always think of the Branch, Branch Davidians. Davidians. Yeah. And there's numerous other cults. I, I'm oh. not calling the Nation of Islam a cult. It's, that's definitely demeaning because they definitely they, they are they're members of the Nation of Islam, which is a, 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 a true religion. Branch Davidians were not. That was a cult. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anytime, like I said, anytime I hear of a of a a prophet of some sort uh, saying that he can sleep with whoever he wants because he is a prophet, uh, my That's mind immediately goes to them. Of. Yeah, the, that is disgusting. Yeah, um, Malcolm feels pretty betrayed by this. This is where he he starts to doubt his own prophet, and that. I couldn't under I, I couldn't even begin to understand what that would do to your psyche and your yeah. whole belief system. Like your biggest biggest inspiration, your biggest role model, the one that com- made you do a complete three sixty in life and is now turning out to be a not so great guy. Yeah. Uh JFK is killed <laughs> and Malcolm says that's justice. He, yeah. bl- he blames JFK for the death of black people, so he got what he deserved. <laughs> but he, I think the quote that he says is, this is an example of the chickens coming home yep. to roost. <laughs> Basically <laughs> saying, like, how does it feel to have a taste of your own medicine? Uh, Elijah not happy about this, and mm-hmm. it's understandable why JFK was extremely popular. Mm-hmm. And so for the Nation of Islam to publicly slam and almost mock the death of JFK would be very detrimental to their popularity. Yes. And would uh, then uh, bring them unwanted attention from uh, authorities, which it ended up doing. He, we start to see that Elijah is getting a little sick and now he silences Malcolm for 90 days, no public speaking. And, one, when he's at home, this is where we get the confession from one of the brothers that he was tasked by some of the ministers to kill Malcolm. And he refused. And Malcolm orders him to go home. Don't, I don't want you in the middle of this. Just remove yourself from the situation. The guy's like, I'm on your side. He's like, no. No. You are a member of the Nation of Islam. You are on Elijah Muhammad's side. Yeah. Go be with him. And I was just like, get the fuck out. I was like, Whoa. I'm like, wow, guy just basically saved your life, and you're like, you're still willing to back the nation of Islam. That's some. Yeah. Ah, what's the word I'm looking for? De- dedication. <sighs> Blindness. Blind. I, I, well, yeah, and I think this is when he starts to realize that he's walking a bit blindly yeah. in his faith. Yeah. And it's right after here that Malcolm calls a pref con- press conference and announces announces his separation from the Nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. Um, he This is where he starts to make the turn. Um, he yeah. starts to want to work in conjunction with other black leaders to help find a solution. 
Yeah. Um, he kind of starts his own nation, and this is when he goes on the pilgrimage. Uh, pilgrimage. Pil- pilgrimage to Mecca. Yeah. Um. We see that Malcolm is being followed by uh, some white guys who are trying have no effort to try and hide themselves. No. You're two white guys. Maybe hire some local (laughs) authorities if you really wanted to get some secret footage because Malcolm can see them a mile away. It Uh, doesn't reveal who they are, though, right? No, it It never does. It doesn't say because it it could be the CIA. It just could be the press. We don't know. No. Yeah. It was the CIA. (laughs) It was the CIA. Uh, This is – yeah, this is definitely where we see um, him – like I said, those three character arc moments. This is he's, the beginning of the last one. He's turning away from his more divisive philosophy yep. and more towards a Martin Luther King esque yep. way of going about it with, you know, accepting more grace and inclusion between yep. whites and blacks and where people can actually come together and live in peace yep. because of what he's seeing in Mecca. Right. He's, he talks about how all the races yeah. are worshiping with him. There's there's white people, there's Asian people. We see we see pretty much every ethnicity there. All um, all members of Islam, all worshiping with him. Um, he talks about how he no longer wants to lash out against the whites, but wants to focus. He just wants to focus on blacks and improving their situation, not at the expense of whites, but to just improve his own people, so they can eventually truly be equal. And uh, we get a really great scene of Denzel speaking Hebrew mm-hmm. just before he comes home, praying to Allah. The uh, shots of Arabia are gorgeous. Yeah. Okay, of them all, of the big, huge uh, warships. At scene. the Mecca? Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Astounding. Yeah. Same as the ones in Egypt, too, of the... Of it, the pyramids? Yeah. That was legitimately shot there. At Mecca? Right. They were only... The, I have notes for it. I think they're only the second film to ever be allowed to shoot there. Wow. But... Um, I do have some notes. They had some pretty serious restrictions. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll we'll get, get into, into that it in, in trivia. In trivia, yeah. yeah. Uh, he returns home. He's more open to working with others. But Malcolm senses that violence is coming. And he starts getting threats at home, phone call. I, I can't even imagine. Uh, I do remember having a home phone and hearing that thing ring. Uh, it was always startling. <laughs> exciting. Somebody's phoning. It was always exciting to get a phone call. But... Uh, knowing that that thing yeah. would continue to ring uh, and all it is is, th- is threats would be um, horrible. Uh, his house gets firebombed. Insane. Which is also, I think, uh, might be a bit of a callback to the beginning when the Ku Klux Klan yep. uh, does the same thing to his childhood home. Yep. And it's almost as if for the first time he's seeing that hatred can is a two-way street yes and hatred can come from anyone regardless of like because hate hatred and love is has nothing to do with skin color it has everything to do with who you are as a person i think that's what that is trying to establish or what he's realizing in that moment yep so he is um getting ready for a speech malcolm security wants to frisk people uh, he doesn't want that. He wants people to feel safe. And if you are going to an event and you see that everybody's getting frisked, he feels that that would cause a, a level of tension that he just doesn't want. Okay. Um, we see the uh, the assassins starting to case the place. Yeah. 
Did you see Gus Fring in there? I sure did. <laughs> I instantly recognized <laughs> my man. Yeah, Giancarlo. Uh, what's his last name? Giancarlo Esposito. Mm-hmm. Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, they're phoning his hotel room constantly. Uh, they're phoning the house constantly. Um, Malcolm phones Betty. Uh, she thinks he's one of the uh, the prank callers or the uh, uh, jerks calling. Mm-hmm. Um, she wants to come to the meeting. Uh, Malcolm says no. Um, he plans on stopping blaming the Nation of Islam for the attacks on him publicly at this next meeting. Um, we see a quick shot of either the FBI or the CIA listening. It ha- well, Now that I know, it has to be the FBI because the CIA okay. is actually not allowed to... Part of the CIA is they, they don't have jurisdiction in the United States. The oh. CIA is the United States' branch for international stuff. Ah. So CIA has little power to do stuff in, in, the, su- US. in the U.S. Yeah. They do everything kind of outside the U.S. And from, the, from my limited understanding. Yeah. And then the FBI would be more domestic. Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's one particular shot. Um, I think it's when him and, like, are these, at this point, Malcolm's bodyguards? Yes. Correct? Yes. Yeah, and you see them all get out of the car, and then you see the the camera just linger on one of the guards and he has this nervous shutter yep go across and it's like because the movie is basically setting it up as if we know what's about to happen yeah like we are expecting what's to come and i think how much did you like did you know that no, Malcolm? oh no i didn't like i i did not know that malcolm x was murdered by the nation of islam <laughs> i thought i thought malcolm i just assumed since he was a civil rights leader that malcolm x was a victim of like a hate crime or the same fate as martin luther king but no holy shit but no <laughs> which is what just like totally threw me off because you see him like i didn't know ab- about him turning away from the nation of islam yeah. and leaving the group and and i never realized that by the time he died he actually had completely switched up yes his his views on race relations and his and his philosophy towards yep. civil rights. I had no idea. I thought he died as sort of the Malcolm X we know as a, who's a bit more violent, yes. divisive, and filled with a bit more hatred, yep. I guess is the way to put it. I never realized he made this sudden switch, which I guess was the cause of his death, like the reason why he... Kind of, yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, this assassination scene must have been – did you see it? Like, you obviously saw it coming because they you yeah. see the assassins. So, at this point, yeah. are you, you're like – I know. You're that. like, no. And I knew he was assassinated. Yes, like, of course. I knew he was shot. Yeah, um, just not by members of his own race. Of <laughs> yeah, no. I was like, what? So, when you yeah. see, when you see like, uh, when you see, like, Gus Fring and the shooters, you're like, no. What are you, why are you killing your own people? Yeah, like – well, like, that's the thing is, like, I – I just saw it coming. Yeah, like because the way that they build it up. Oh, like, they I build knew. it up. They build it up. Right. It, it's not. It's not meant to be a shock because no. it's almost like I would say like ninety percent of the. Mm, well, in the nineties, hundred percent, hundred percent. In the nineties, the vast majority of people, like we knew, yeah. Malcolm was assassinated by by the nation. By the nation. Yeah, most people. Well, like, and he, he even like he admits like in my small amount of research that i did of malcolm x after i watched this movie he had he admits that he's pretty much put a target on his back yeah after he leaves so like you even see like 
in the movie and the way that Denzel's playing it as if he expects it to come and he knows that that he's this could be the last day um one of the <clears throat> we get to the assassination scene yeah um happens right away mm-hmm. two shotgun blasts numerous gunshots they don't fuck around no they make sure that guy is dead one of the rough parts for me watching this scene is after the two shotgun blasts and after they unload the guns on him there's a quick cut to his daughters watching him be Mm, murdered yes oh yeah that must have been hard for you yeah i was like oh um they capture one shooter gus fring gets captured Mm mm-hmm um Betty left with Malcolm. She's obviously distraught. And we are done with Malcolm X. Yeah. We D- question. Yeah. Did he I couldn't tell. Did he die right away as he's laying on the ground or is there a shot at least one shot of him still being alive? There I uh, I I've, uh, I've always <laughs> I've always been under the assumption that he died there right on the away. stage. Well, they do have a shot of him being carted away on yeah. on a gurney, but if that is the case, that might be one of like the worst fake death scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, because like, I don't know. I just saw like you can like it's very subtle, but it's like you can sort of see his face still moving from breathing and his yeah. eyes are twitching. A if little that's bit. the like, case, then he, then he survived. You do think Be- he's cause Denzel obviously wouldn't let that. Yeah. Then, then he must've survived. He, yeah. he must've died like on briefly, the way. Briefly. Yeah. 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 I've just, I, I, I think, well, I know, I know when I watched it in the theaters in 1992, it was, it was hard to watch because like I said, like kind of like the reinvigoration of Malcolm X was kind of like at its height in those 90s. Mm-hmm. So watching this murder scene, even though I wasn't really I wasn't deep into black culture, right. like I was listening to some hip hop and stuff like that, but I wasn't diving deep, but still watching this person who is being held in such high regard, um, you know, there was kind of like a, a like I said, a resurgence of Malcolm X in the early yeah. 90s when I was watching this movie. Watching his murder scene was a tough watch. Not that it's easy now. It's, no. it's a very violent, it's very, very disturbing. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think I was paying attention to Denzel, uh, and then this one I, I, I think I got a little overwhelmed because I'd forgotten that his daughters see his death. I think I got a little, yeah, kind of hit a little too close to home. So I, I, I've always been under the assumption that he died on stage. But if you say that he was, like he was moving and stuff Briefly, like that, like uh, then I would say he definitely, yeah, definitely Denzel's didn't die there. Too good of an actor to yeah. let that. Go Spike by. Lee's too good of a filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it must have happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, we get some black and white footage. Now this is black and white footage of the real yeah. Malcolm X. Well, is it intercutting back and forth? Yeah. Yeah, because they, they film that so perfectly. Because yeah. I've seen the real video of him getting being rushed out of the hospital. Yeah. And, yeah, it's yeah. masterful. Um, we get Martin Luther King speaking out on the death. Mm-hmm. Um we get some voiceover by an actor, Ozzy Davis, okay. who um, he's the old man in Do the Right Thing. The oh, bomb. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember his character's name, but that's Ozzy Davis. Um, Ozzy Davis was the person that actually gave the eulogy 
at Malcolm X's funeral. Mm. So he's just rereading his eulogy. That's yeah. what we get over top. Um, great footage and stills of Malcolm X. This yeah. is uh, a really touching this tribute to really to the is. man. Um, then we get that really powerful. I'm thinking about now. I'm almost crying. Um, we get the really powerful scene of the people saying, "I am Malcolm X." Um, then, because yeah. <laughs> it, it it to establish that he is he is a he's meant to represent all African American people. Yes, all and that that's what I think was the point of getting all the the children to yep. stand up and say that is because they all because I think what the embodiment of and of who Malcolm X is and his legacy is someone who is extremely intelligent, extremely ambitious, but was told his whole life that he couldn't amount to anything yep. and he couldn't grow up to be anything. And he's the one that overcomes those barriers and o overcomes those obstacles, but he's just one man yep. and it goes to prove that anyone can do that. Yes. Right. And that, I, yeah, I just thought that scene was, was beautiful. Oh, I love and it. what it meant. Uh, and then we end with um, Nelson Mandela speaking. Oh boy, oh, I fucking love Beautiful. Nelson Mandela. I was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, is that the real fucking <laughs> Nelson Mandela? Like, I freaked out. I for, again, I'd forgotten this part of the movie, mm -hmm. and I, I got it made me so happy to see him. Uh, and then that's our movie. Malcolm X wraps know. up. That's it. Three and a half hours of pure delight. Yeah. Well, not pure delight, but it's a pretty. Uh, Harrowing Pretty moments. Fucking spectacular uh, movie. All right, I got some trivia for you. Okay, let's hear it. Um, Malcolm X's widow, Dr. Betty Shabazz, served as a consultant to this film. Oh. The only... Uh, do I have it in here? The only problem she had with the movie... Um, yeah, there it is. Um, the scene where Betty Shabazz argues with Malcolm about his misplaced loyalties to Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam were contrived mostly to add dramatic effect to the film. Uh, the real-life Shabazz said the scene was inaccurate, as she and Malcolm never argued nor raised their voices at one another, and she supported her husband at every turn. There you go. Sure. Need to add some type of dramatic I'm effect. little hesitant that a husband and wife never argued, but whatever. <laughs> if you say it, Dr. Betty Shabazz, I'll believe you. Yep. I'm a little skeptical. <laughs> um, initially, Spike Lee requested $33 million for this film, a reasonable sum considering its size and scope, but much more than his previous budgets. Because Lee's five previous films combined had grossed, combined, had grossed less than $100 million domestically, wow. uh, Warner Brothers offered $20 million for a two-hour and 15-minute film, plus $8 million from Largo Entertainment for the foreign rights. When the film went $5 million over budget, Lee kicked in most of his salary, but the financiers shut down post-production. Lee went public with his battles and raised funds from celebrity friends including Oprah Winfrey, Michael Jordan, and, sadly, Bill Cosby, to regain control of the project. After a positive screaming of a rough cut, Warner Brothers kicked in more money. Wow. So it almost didn't happen. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. They were going to force him to make a two-hour and 15-minute movie. It's a, it's arguable that three hours and 20 minutes isn't even enough to yeah. capture all of Malcolm X's life, let yeah. alone two and a half. Um, to prepare for his role, Denzel Washington avoided eating pork, uh, attended Fruit of Islam classes, and learned to Lindy Hop. That's the swing dance. Oh, okay. uh, he was so in character that he even knew which pair of glasses Malcolm X was wearing on a particular day. Not surprising. <laughs> That's out of this world. Ah, here it is. 
This was the first non-documentary film that was given permission to film in Mecca. Huh. Um, a month before the film was released, Spike Lee asked that the media outlets send black journalists to interview him. However, the request proved controversial. While it was common practice for celebrities to pick interviewers who were known to be sympathetic to them, it was the first time in many years in which race had been used as a qualification. Lee clarified that he was not barring white interviewers from interviewing, but that he felt, given the subject matter of the film, that black writers have more insight about Malcolm than white writers. The request was turned down by the LA Times, but several others agreed, including Premier Magazine, Vogue, Interview, and Rolling Stone. The LA Times explained they did not give writer approval. The editor of Premier noted that the request created internal discussions that resulted in changes at the magazine, stating, quote, had we had a history of putting a lot of black writers on stories about the movie industry, we'd be in a stronger position, but we didn't. It was an interesting challenge he laid down. It caused some personnel changes. We've hired a black writer and a black editor, end quote. Hmm. So Spike Lee facilitated some change on his own. Wild. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yep. Well, it makes sense why he wanted that. 100%. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple casting what-ifs for you. Okay. Uh, Spike Lee originally wanted Samuel L. Jackson for the role of West Indian Archie. Okay. I, I, personally, I would like that more than I thought one, so. Uh, and Richard Pryor was briefly attached to star in the early production stages. To star? Yeah. To as Malcolm X. As Malcolm X. Richard Pryor? Yeah. The comedian? Yeah. Is he, was he a good actor? No. What, what <laughs> is he known for? Uh... The one movie I love, if you ever got a chance, I don't know how well it's aged. It's been a long time since I watched <laughs> it. It's called See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Okay. It's really fucking funny with him and Gene Wilder because mm -hmm. Richard, Plyer, Richard Pryor, Pryor plays a uh, – he's blind. Okay. And Gene Wilder is deaf. And the two of them stumble into, like, this crime, and they have to try and navigate their way through it. But they obviously <laughs> – so Gene Wilder can read lips. That's how they, they get through it. Okay. But there's this great scene early on where Richard Pryor, I think it's with his daughter or his si – no, mm -hmm. it must be his sister. They're on a subway, and they're joking. She says something about him being black. He's like, I'm black. And he stands up, I can't believe I'm black. Because <laughs> he's blind? Because he's blind. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. it's. I remember it being really, really funny. I Does he play a blind man well? Or as yeah, well as actually, Al Pacino, he, he does that like that that his eyes don't focus on anything. He mm -hmm. does that really well, but he kind of does it by like just kind of holding his eyes open a lot. Okay. Um, the acting isn't great. It's a comedy. It's a fun comedy. God, now I want to watch it again. <laughs> um, and the last one I have, uh, the original director was going to be Norman Jewison, uh, but he withdrew due to outside pressure demanding a black filmmaker. Makes sense. Yes. 100%. And I wonder if this movie was made today, if it would be a black Muslim filmmaker. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that would be like an important criteria to get a more, a more honest story, or it could be a less honest story because maybe they don't want to paint the nation of Islam in a darker light like this movie does. It's possible. You know? The only thing, like, I, I think. I don't – the only way I could see that film getting made mm -hmm. because we – the world knows that the Nation of Islam killed Malcolm X. So uh, an African-American Islam 
Islamic filmmaker who wanted to make a, a movie trying to make them make more sim- light of it. Make make them more sympathetic. I I doubt any yeah. actors are going to want to sign on for It'd that be film. A bit tough. You're like, mm, you're not really telling the truth here. No thanks. No. Um, favorite quote. Why don't you start favorite us quote. off? Okay. Um, so I've got nine. Okay. Most of them being from Malcolm X. Uh, first one. Yep. You are not American. You are the victim of America. Oh, I like that. That is uh, from the opening speech. The very opening speech. Um, I think this next one is from the same speech. Being born here doesn't make you American. I am not American. You are not American. You are one of the 22 million black people who are the victims of America. Okay. Uh, Next one um, from Malcolm X. First thing my daddy told me, you never bullshit a West Indian bullshit artist. (laughs) Um, This one is from Elijah Muhammad. I tell you, the most dangerous creation in the world in any society is the man with nothing to lose. Nice. Uh, the next one is from Malcolm X. You do not need 10 such men to change the world. One will do. Uh, next up is from Baines. Um, when he's talking about the uh, white security guard in jail. Yep. He said, what's he going to do to me that he hasn't done already? Mm-hmm. Showing that he has no fear. Um, next one. Uh, you are not an African-American. You are an African who was born in America. Yep. From Malcolm X. Uh, and then the last one, that's too much power for one man to have. Nice. From the cop. Um, I have a couple long ones. I actually deleted the longest one I have. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't need to put that in here. So I have, again, most of mine are from Malcolm X. Um, all right, first one. Brothers and sisters, I am here to tell you that I charge the white man. I charge the white man with being the greatest murderer on earth. I charge the white man with being the greatest kidnapper on earth. There's no place in this world that this man can go and say he created peace and harmony. Everywhere he's gone, he's created havoc. Everywhere he's gone, he's created destruction. So I charge him. I charge him with being the greatest kidnapper on this earth. I charge him with being the greatest murderer on this earth. I charge him with being the greatest robber and enslaver on this earth. Uh, nice. Next one is from Malcolm X. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. <laughs> uh, from Baines, a man curses because he doesn't have the words to say what's on his mind. It's a nice one. Um, from Malcolm, if the so-called Negro in America was truly an American citizen, we wouldn't have a racial problem. If the Emancip- Emancipation Proclamation was authentic, we wouldn't have a race problem. If the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to the Constitution were authentic, we wouldn't have a race problem. If the Supreme Court des- desegregation decision were authentic, we would not have a race problem. But you have to see all of this. You, but you have to see that all of this is hypocrisy. Uh, from Baines, if you take one step toward Allah, he will take two steps toward you. Nice. Uh, here's the co-ed. Mr. X, hi. I've read some of your speeches, and I honestly believe that a lot of what you say is true. And I'm a good person in spite of what my ancestors did. I just wanted to ask you what a white person like myself who isn't prejudiced, what can I do to help you with and further your cause? Nothing. (laughs) Uh, Number seven from Malcolm. See, the building of a new nation begins with the women because the mother is the first teacher of the child. The message she gives that child, the child gives to the world. Number eight is from Malcolm. Father only means that you're taking care of your children. That's what it is to be a father. Father doesn't mean that you're having some babies. Anybody can have a baby. Having a baby does not make you a father. Anybody can go out and get a woman, but not anybody can take care of that woman. 
there's another word for it. It's called responsibility. Nice. That's a powerful one. Yeah. And the last one from Malcolm. For the white man to ask the black man why he hates him is like the wolf asking the sheep or the rapist asking the raped, do you hate me? The white man is in no moral position to accuse the black man of anything. Oh, I forgot about that. I'm adding that one <laughs> to my list. I totally forgot about that one. It's like asking, what was it, the sheep, why he hates the wolf? No, is it like the wolf asking the sheep or the rapist asking the <sighs> raped, do you hate me? The white man is in no moral position to accuse the black man of anything. All right, what's your favorite quote? I'm honestly going to go for that last one. The reason why I forgot it is because I had it written earlier in my notes. And I kind of wrote down the quotes as I went along and then copy pasted them at the bottom. And I must have missed that one or forgot it up there. But I, I, that's a great line. I'm going with that. That's mine too. Yeah. Yeah. I love that one. Uh, Favorite scene. I have eight. What do you got? I have one, two, three, four, five. All right. Go ahead. All right, uh, I have the visit to the police station with all the Brothers of Islam yep. lined up in coordination outside. Yep. Uh, I have the end monologue slash speech. Uh, it's the eulogy reading, the eulogy, I yep. believe, with all the clips and real footage of Malcolm X throughout his life. Yep. Um, I have the Nelson Mandela scene. Yep. Um, I have the student walking up to Malcolm asking what she can do to help. Yeah, nice. And I have... Anytime the camera is on a sidewalk, because <laughs> Spike Lee is just a genius when it comes to filming on a sidewalk and giving his location so much flavor. All right. I think he's just brilliant when he does that. So, yeah. What are yours? Perfect. I just deleted one. Okay. Um, I love the scene where they look up the definition of white and black. Mm-hmm. Uh, the debate on Jesus' ethnicity. Okay. Yep. Um. Brother Johnson and the police and the hospital. Um, there's a scene where Malcolm is preaching and there's footage of oppression. They show uh, real footage of from the 60s of, oh, of black yes. people being attacked by dogs, getting the fire hose, being beaten mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's really powerful in the middle. Um, the scene where Malcolm and Betty argue, the scene that mm-hmm. Dr. Bay Shabazz didn't say happened, but whatever. Yeah. Um, the assassination itself uh, and the eulogy at the end. Nice. What is your favorite scene? Uh, my favorite scene is going to be the police station slash hospital scene. Same Easy. with me, man. Yeah. So powerful. It really shows um, Malcolm X's conniving and powerful nature. Yep. And yeah, just the really the power that that man had uh, in his grasp. I agree. Great and scene. the control because he never like he doesn't raise his voice except for when he's no. yelling for the ambulance. And he is calm, cool, and collected the whole Mm -hmm. time, but is not willing to compromise. No. Yeah, I agree. Best scene in the movie. All right, closing credits. Okay. Are there any Oscar-worthy performances in this film? Oh, (laughs) yes. Well, okay, so what were the two nominees? Is Best Actor. And Costume. And Best Costume. Best Costume. So, no, this this is just performances, not the acting. We're only talking about the acting right now. Only the acting. So... Denzel got nominated. Yes. Do you obviously. think anybody else should have been nominated? Uh, I could give Sister Betty. Yeah, a Angela Bassett. Probably. Yep. Okay. And I have a feeling you want to say Delroy Lindo. No. I would. 
personally, I wouldn't put him up Kay. there. But I like Delroy Lindo in this movie. I don't think he's worthy of a nomination. Mm-hmm. He's he's fine, but this year for best supporting actor is fucking loaded. Okay, like it is. What do we got? Okay, well, Gene Hackman wins for Unforgiven, rightfully so. It's okay. fucking amazing. We have Jay Davidson in The Crying Game. Okay. Did you watch The Crying Game? I have not yet. Planning on it. Cool. Um, Jack Nicholson for A Few Good Men, which you, you haven't seen. Nope. Uh, Al Pacino in Glengarry Gem Ross, which you haven't seen. Al, oh, Al Pacino. So he was nominated and won this year? Yeah. Because he won for lead. Yeah, he won for lead. Nominated and supporting? That's yep. awesome. What yep. a year for him. Uh, and then David Pamer in Mr. Saturday Night, which I – don't believe I've ever seen, but it's I'll be watching it soon. Mm-hmm. So, with since I haven't seen David Pamer, I could put Delroy in there, but what? I I would I'm not taking out the like other four I've seen. Not happening. No, not a chance. Not happening. I don't think Delroy is good enough to get a supporting actor nod in here. Uh, he's just an, he's an actor I like, um, but not here. I I would also say that Elijah Muhammad probably wouldn't be oscar worthy no it's good it is good Uh, that's it though is that him um in the in the ghost scene when he when malcolm x like when he sees him in 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 his jail cell the prophet that's elijah muhammad correct that's the actor playing elijah muhammad yes yeah for some reason i don't know that scene just came off as a bit cheesy is not the right word but like like corny mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. i guess that scene and how he played it like it seemed the character felt a bit awkward but From, then once we see him in person yeah i think it's it's definitely a good role but from, i've i've i personally have never seen any actual footage of elijah muhammad mm-hmm. but from everything i've heard his portrayal of of elijah muhammad is dead on is spot on yeah well, from what i've heard well there you go um bassett could definitely get a supporting actress nomination for me mm-hmm. i've only seen Three of the supporting actress. Okay, what do we got? Um, Marissa Tomei won- wins for My Cousin Vinny. I fucking love that win so it's much. It's a comedy, right? Yeah, like nice. flat out comedy. Nice. Yeah. You don't see that happen too often. No, and that movie, I forgot how much I loved that movie. When yeah. I rewatched it, I was giggling the whole time. You rewatched it just oh, recently? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Oh, I was laughing constantly. That's awesome. Uh, I've seen Judy Davis um, in Husbands and Wives. That's a uh, Woody Allen film. Okay. It was okay. Mm-hmm. She didn't really stand out. Uh, and then I've seen Vanessa Redgrave in Howard's End. Um, worthy of a – I understand the, the nomination. If she had won, I would have been pissed, especially. Yeah. So I haven't seen uh, Joan uh, Plowright in Enchanted April yet. Or Miranda Richardson in Damage yet. Those are on my watch list. I need to start knocking those off because I don't know if I have as long as mm-hmm. I originally planned yeah. before I have to do the end. So I could – basically my rule when, when I do this is um, – don't count movies you haven't seen. Yeah. So would I – I'm not taking out Marissa Tomei. Nope. Her win – I fucking love the win, and I fucking love her in it. Mm-hmm. So I would have – no problem taking out Judy Davis in Husbands and Wives and putting in Angela Bassett. I, hmm. Even though I love Angela, still not taking the Oscar yeah. away from Marissa Tomei, but she can slip in there. Yeah. She can slip in there. I thought you were going to take it away from the 
from Howard's end. From Vanessa Redgrave? No, she was fine. She was great. Yeah. She it's it's a super supporting role because she's only in like the first ten or fifteen minutes of it. But if you had Longer? to pick between Bassett and her, which one would you go for? Oh man, fuck. We're getting to the tough ones now. Yeah, that was mean. I'm going to stick with Red Wave. Okay. I'm going to stick with Red Wave. Okay. As much as I dislike that movie. Yeah. I'm going to I'll stick with Red Wave. You can respect respect the performance. It was it's really it's a it's a it's a small yet important role and she does uh she does a good job in it. You say you give that a w- 1 out of 5? I did give it a 1 God out of 5. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. God damn. F- for pure boredom, <laughs> which spoilers, I haven't even had that episode yet. <laughs> I haven't recorded the episode on oh. on Howard's end when I'm that I'm yeah. telling you I'm giving it a one. It's going to be a mini episode, so please listen. Now you know. <laughs> yeah, listen, and I promise to rip it apart. Um, all right, what other aspects of the film are award worthy? So it got nominated for costume. Yep, um, I would agree with that. So you, uh, we praised the screenplay before, did we? Who knows? I could I, I can tell you right now. Uh, Howard's End win Best Screenplay. Uh, that can get tossed the fuck out. This can come in on that. Yep. Um, you and I both like the editing. I think that could be in there. I could give a shout <laughs> for cinematography, but it just depends what else is nominated that year. Okay. Well, uh, I can help you with that. We'll, let's we'll we'll go with editing first. Yep. Um, Unforgiven wins. It's staying in there. Basic Instinct is staying in there. The Crying Game. I can pull out mm-hmm. and put it in. And then A Few Good Men, I'm not taking that one out. And I haven't seen The Player, so I can't take it out. So out of the four I've seen, I could take out The Crying, crying game, game and put this in there. Um, cinematography, A River Runs Through It wins. Um, Hoffa, Howard's End, The Lover, and Unforgiven. Again, I've seen four. I can easily take out Hoffa, Hoffa. and put this in. Hoffa does have some Hoffa has nice cinematography in the sense that the the camera moves around scenes often mm-hmm. and there's a lot of quite a few large crowd scenes in Hoffa yep. so you get like the kind of not quite bird's eye but up high and then the camera comes down a lot of up, up above tracking shots the cinematography right. in Hoffa is might be the only good thing in it despite mm-hmm. the fact that Jack Nicholson is in that movie is he the one playing Hoffa yeah does he do a good job? He, he he's fine. He, he's not bad. He's not great. You're not like, oh, Jack Nicholson. It's not like that. You're just like he's fine. Yeah. The movie's just, it's not good. Dog it's, shit. Yeah. 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 Just a thick load of dog shit. Um. Did get nominated. Uh, no visual effects in this one. No. Art. Direction? What about? Is that like a production? Yeah. Art yeah. direction, set decoration. Um. I, th- for uh, the first half of this movie when it's set in the forties, yeah, and like when he goes to the club and meets the West mm-hmm. West Indies, I, th- I, I think that the production design there could definitely get a shout. It's definitely feels very authentic to me. Okay, again, I've seen four of the films. Howard's End wins, mm-hmm. uh, and then we have Bram Stoker's Dracula, Chaplin, Toys, which I, Toys, which I have not seen, and again, Unforgiven. Uh, 
I can't take out Howard's End. Howard's End's a period piece set mm-hmm. over in England. It's it's got beautiful art decoration. Yeah, right? that's it's usually a given. Yeah. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. The art direction is kind of the only thing I enjoyed about that movie. Not taking on Unforgiven, and I haven't seen Chaplin in a while. Is so it on your rewatch list? It's on our. We're doing an episode on it. Oh, are you? Yeah. Okay. Charles is coming up to do an episode. Nice. On he Chaplin. loves Chaplin, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think I can squeeze it in. I can, no. I'll, I'll tell you right now, without having re-seen Chaplin soon, or, or recently, I haven't watched Chaplin in years. Yeah. I could slot it in there, but I know. Mm, I'm just thinking now. They recreate a lot of Chaplin's films in that movie, so cool it'll so, be hard yeah I'm well gonna, I'm gonna, time will I'm, tell i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna leave it out for it, it i would definitely consider a still a standout though in yeah. the movie like still 100 yeah uh weak link of the film weak link of the film the hmm. quick flashbacks to his parents lives that's what i'm gonna go with i Same. could almost go with delroy lindo um but i think the yeah, the sort of jagged editing yeah. of the flashbacks kind of threw threw me off. Got had me a bit lost at times, but then going back and doing a bit of research about Malcolm X and mm-hmm. then watching the beginning again was it made it a bit easier. But, I'm gonna go with that because yeah. I can't think of any other part of the movie that I felt was lacking. Um, was this anyone's career highlight? I, well, it's not. I wouldn't say it's Spike Lee's, because his is do the right thing. I Even agree. I would both directing wise and performance wise. Um, Denzel Washington's career highlight. I'll be honest. This is my Denzel career highlight. When yeah. I think of Denzel, this is the film I think of. Mm-hmm. Even though he, you know, he won for Training Day and he won for Glory. He's got two Oscars. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think. For me, this is my highlight for Denzel. When I think of Denzel, this is the film I think of. This yeah. is my favorite Denzel performance of all time. And uh, so this is my career highlight for him. This, I think this will be for me going forward. I just need to look up a list of – because I feel like there's some that I'm forgetting that he's in. So we got Training Day, Equalizer – Flight, Man on Fire. Those are the four films IMD picked for fucking Denzel. This is just Google that I got. But it has The Tragedy of Macbeth, Fences, American Gangster. I love American the Magnificent, Gangster. Magnificent Seven. Horrible film. Is it? Yeah. I think I watched that when I was really young. The one with Denzel? Or the original, or the original Magnificent Seven, because the original Magnificent Seven, the Western with yeah. Yul Brenner is fucking is fantastic. One of the most best movies ever made. No, no, it's not. It's just a really great yeah. Western. The remake with Denzel Washington and fucking um, well Ethan Hawke and fucking Star Lord, Chris, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Yeah. Horseshit of a movie. Yeah. Horrible. Dog water. Yeah. No, thank you. Okay. No, thank you. We have Inside Man, 
Great film, but two not, guns. No, no. It's it, it's for me. It's gonna be Malcolm. I Malcolm I gotta tra- give Malcolm, it to Malcolm and Training Day. It's Malcolm or Training Day. Well, that's see, that's the tough one. I haven't I haven't seen Training Day and I haven't seen Glory, so really I don't know if I'm if I have the enough knowledge to that's, really say. That's but, fair. That's fair. But um, for now, undoubtedly, I would give it to Malcolm X. This is my this again. Like I said, this is my favorite performance by yeah. by Denzel. Um. Will this movie make anyone's highlight reel? Oh, well, it's gonna make Denzel's. Denzel, obviously, it's gonna make Spikes. It's gonna make Spike Lee's. I they'll probably. I don't think it'll make Delroy's. I don't think no. he's in it. No. What is his big? What is he most known for? Oh, Delroy Lindo. Uh, let's see what they have listed here. Oh, get Shorty. They do have Malcolm X. Okay, and the Five Bloods. So, oh, so IMDb picks four movies that they think are yeah. What he's what he's no, Ru- what the Mount he, Rushmore yeah. For the actor. What, it, it's not accurate. It's always fun to to look up somebody yeah, and see and what IMDb says. You're like, oh, dude, no, no, not good. It's also fun to pick someone that has like an amazing like. I'd be, I won't do it right now. Be curious to see what four films they put on for Spielberg, what four right. films they put on for Scorsese. Right. People that have like this incredible. Yeah. Right? Like Tom Cruise, what four films they pick for him. Tom Hanks. Yeah, right? Yeah. There's Tom too Hanks. Many. I'm gonna say Forrest Gump, Big, Saving Private Ryan, mm. Toy Story? Green Mile. No. Really? No. Well, I haven't seen Big. So no? I won't know. Fuck. Okay. So for me it'd go Saving Private Ryan, Green Mile, Forrest Gump, Toy Story. Let's see what they've had. They have Castaway, Big, Forrest Gump, and Saving Private Ryan. That's fine. Yeah, I'm good with that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much probably yeah. So other major people. This is obviously making their highlight reel. Yeah. Easiest question: MVP of the film. My fucking boy, Denzel. Yeah. Motherfucking Washington. It's Denzel, hundred yeah, percent. Easily. Um, what will be this film's legacy? One of the most uh, well-done biography films of all time. I agree. One of the the greatest and grandest biopics of all time. I'm going to go with that as well. I I agree. Uh, This film's legacy will be basically kind of the defining film about Malcolm X. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm in the minority or the majority, but for me, the other for me personally, the legacy of this film is the movie that Denzel should have won Best Actor for. Right. Don't get me wrong. I know. I know. T Bone doesn't listen to all the episodes. He he is in love with Scent of a Woman. Yeah. And I don't mean to denigrate Al Pacino's performance. Nope. Because it's really good. Mm-hmm. Denzel's better. Yeah. And I know. That they gave it to Al Pacino because it's a makeup Oscar for him not winning for, for them, the Godfather or Godfather Two, and just sad. like how Training Day yes. and Glory, with no Glory, Glory is deserving. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he's fucking good. <gasps> Fuck yeah, he's good. Yeah, he deserved he deserved Glory. Yeah, and he got it young like he that was at eighty nine. Oh what this was that was before Malcolm X. Yeah, 
He already oh. has a Best Supporting Actor win going into this movie. Oh, okay. So you think that Training Day is the makeup for Malcolm X? Yes, I do. Mm. Yes, I do. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Don't no. get me wrong. Again, he's, yeah. it, he's good in Training Day. Mm-hmm. But he's not really – the only thing that he's doing different in Training Day that we haven't seen from Denzel is that – this isn't much of a spoiler. He's not a good guy in Training Day. Oh, okay. He – plays someone that skirts the line a little too much so yeah he's still kind of he's just still kind of being denzel which is still a good thing i'll take it then i'll take denzel doing denzel any day but like this is this him being lost in a character yeah that's the and i think that's the main difference between this and al pacino's performances when you watch scent of a woman you see i don't see the colonel i see Al Pacino playing the Colonel, but in this movie you don't see Denzel playing Malcolm X. You see Malcolm X, like o- almost to the point where it feels documentary like. I agree, and this is one of the things I love Denzel. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but for a lot of movies that Denzel in, I I, I see Denzel. This is one of the few movies where, where he escapes yeah. into a role. I agree. Personally, though, I think it takes about an hour or so. Once he joins the Nation of Islam and shaves his head, maybe that's what it is. Once he loses the hair, I don't see Denzel Washington anymore. I just see Malcolm X. He has yeah. no hair in glory? Ah, there you go. <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, would you watch this movie again? I would. Yeah. 100%. I obviously have. This yeah. is my, either my sixth or seventh time watching this film. And would you recommend this movie to friends? I would recommend it to certain friends, definitely not to all friends. This is not just a light watch that you can throw on on a, you know, Friday night, Friday night, have some pizza and beers. It's definitely not a pizza and beer movie. This is a a very thought provoking, a long movie that that knows its place and knows that that's that it's that long. Um, But for someone that I know is into history, is willing to learn um or is just into movies that are really well fucking made Mm -hmm. yes i'm with you i would recommend this movie to some friends Mm -hmm. to a casual as pretentious to a casual movie watcher no they're not gonna be able to sit through three and a half hours especially not someone my age yeah yeah so to somebody that loves movies yeah this would be an easy recommend but to Mm -hmm. an average moviegoer that you know, likes to put on a movie and then maybe check their phone every once in a while. No, don't, 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 don't devalue this film with, with your (laughs) checking your phones. Um, Wes, your final thoughts on Malcolm X. All right. Well, I had an amazing time with this movie. Uh, I had an amazing time just give, seeing one of the greatest actors of all time, give one of his career defining his, career-defining performance um it was a joy to watch and it was a joy to see just the masterful filmmaking techniques come once again Mm -hmm. from spike lee um i can easily admit that he is in my top 10 filmmakers now Um, love it even though i've only seen five of his movies and i want i'm planning on watching more um but he is he's just a master of his class and i i loved seeing two just pioneers of what they do and for 
African Americans in the art form to mm-hmm. be a pioneer for them, just to see them collaborate together and come up with something that is so grandstanding yep. and so just then bigger than than just a movie. It's it's really like a grand telling of someone's life, yep. of someone's fascinating life. So, yeah, I had a great time. I loved it. Perfect. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this movie. I was really excited to do this rewatch and to do this review, and uh, I'm of the same thought. I, I think this is, in my opinion, I think this is Denzel's greatest performance, uh, even better than the two he won an Oscar for, and uh, I think this is Spike Lee at the top of his game. I think the only film, uh, and we're, we're going to get to your rankings of the five films. I have Let's that written it. up. We're going we'll, we'll to do it very shortly after we give this movie a rating. Um, this is one of my favorite Spike Lee films, probably top three. Okay. Uh, do the right thing is easily number one, mm-hmm. uh, like far and away. You don't have to reveal yours yet. Uh, we'll but there. this this film is it, it is an epic telling of a incredibly important man in in the history uh, of the world, mm-hmm. uh, but especially uh, of the United States. I had a great time watching it, and it really did just solidify my opinion that uh, Denzel was robbed of an Oscar win. Uh, again, not to denigrate Al Pacino's performance in Sensible Woman. Yeah. It is a great performance, but I, I think this is one of the greatest performances put, yeah. to, put to screen. I would 100% thoroughly have to agree with you there. Yeah. All right, time to rate this film. All right. Wes, what are you giving Malcolm X? Well... Manny, I had a great time watching this movie. Yeah. Um, I thought that, as I've mentioned many times before, Denzel's performance is unbelievable. Uh, But, you know, I am a victim of a Gen Z brain. Uh, (laughs) The length of this movie is, you know, a bit of an investment, a bit of a commitment. Um, And there was a few uh, just minor, minor, like, technical things in in the beginning that with the editing and the flashbacks that's just got me a bit lost. Yep. I still really loved it, but I'm going to give it a four. Out of cool. Five. Uh, four is the same score for me. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a movie. I, I don't really have much to complain about this movie, mm-hmm. but while I like this movie, my enjoyment of it isn't enough for me to give it a five. It's yeah. obviously brilliantly acted. It's well put together. It's by a brilliant filmmaker. It's an easy four for me. But it's yeah. it's not close to a five. Yeah, and it's just such a commitment, which is, in my opinion, what like if obviously the movie wouldn't be as good as if it was only two hours or two hours and twenty minutes. But I think it would make it ever so much more rewatchable. Yes, if it, if the length was was just cut down a bit. But then again, it's kind of impossible when you have I, two redemption arcs within the one movie. Yeah, I don't I don't know what. You could, you could cut, cut to make to ha- to make this film have the same type of power that it does no. now. All right, no. you've seen five Spike Lee films. You want I've to rank seen them? Five of them. Here's the your chance. We've been waiting for. Are you doing five to one? I sure am. All right, I let's do it. Start with number five. Okay, go slow so I can type. Okay. All right, number five. Number five. We have the 2020 movie, The Five Bloods. I figured. At number four. We have a bit more of a lighter watch, a bit more of a casual watch. We have, I believe, the 2006 movie, Inside Man. Okay, I'm guessing correctly. And in the number three spot, 
we have the movie we just reviewed, Malcolm X. Okay. I was trying to remember. I'm like, I'm missing one off the top of my head. Yeah. At the number two spot, we have what most people would consider Spike Lee's career highlight and his defining film, Do the Right Thing. Uh, but at number one, we have one of my personal favorite movies of all time because it has my favorite actor of all time. Uh, and I just think that this movie is having so much fun, even with the stuff that it's handling. Yep. And that is the 2017 movie Black Klansman. Nice. I cannot emphasize enough how much I love that movie. It is. I didn't realize you liked it that much, of, but that's cool. Yeah, it's also in my honorable mentions. It's not yes. in the top 50, but it is, it is in the honorable mentions. Nice. I love that one. So for those, it is. For, for those wondering who is your favorite actor, I know who it is, but who is it? Yes, it is Adam Driver. There you go. Awesome. My man. All right. Uh, next week, episode 216, we have A Few Good Men with a special guest and uh, another uh, temporary co-host, Jordan mm-hmm. Spires. Wes hasn't seen A Few Good Men, so he's oh, going to play a game that we do with Sam when he hasn't seen a movie. Wes, what is the plot of a few good men. A few good men, which I know stars Jack Nicholson yeah. and Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna give it my best honest guess. Okay. Is a movie about um a group of men that must go to military flight school okay. and learn how to become a respectable, honorable young man in the military and they're put through all the trials and tribulations of the dictatorial general that is played by jack nicholson okay that's my best guess that's a good guess i'm looking forward to when you watch this movie to see how close Mm -hmm. you were on your guess i'll be very interested to uh to see it um please remember to rate review and subscribe to us on itunes if you give us a five-star rating a positive review does increase the profile of our podcast allows more people to find us you can email us at sammanningmoviepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at sam underscore manning underscore movie. You can follow us on Facebook at Samuel Manning Movie Podcast. You can follow us on Letterboxd. I'm at Manny42. What are you at, Wes? I am Wesley Cole Meineker. Wesley All Cole Meineker. Uh, on Letterboxd, I cannot recommend Letterboxd enough as an app. It oh. is easily my favorite app by far now. Like, far and away easily i fucking love if you're a fan of movies and you haven't downloaded this app yet you are wasting your time yeah we uh, i i i'm not getting any sponsorship money from letterbox whatsoever but i know if you like movies or if you love movies and you don't have letterbox you are doing yourself a disservice and that's it for social media just before we go i'm gonna give a shout out to my sister Ginny. i love you i'm sorry i haven't given you any shout outs before but here's your shout out now i love you with all of my heart Ginny. I love you. None of my other sisters listening, so they all suck ass. <laughs> Ginny, I love you. Um, for the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. I am Malcolm X, and I'm Wes Meineker. Adios.